Hemshech Chaim Beis, Volume One, Page Kuf Chav Zayin One Twenty Seven, Chapter Sixty Eight, the beginning of Discourse Number Eighteen, and also the beginning of a new year. Tafresh Chaim Beis ends here, and starts Tafresh Ayin Gimel. This is the Maimer said the second night of Rosh Hashanah Tafresh Ayin Gimel. Discourse Eighteen. So it continues a flow of where we're up to. But as you'll see, is a distinction of how he summarizes the past. Here he's just going to ask the questions in the opening of this. And the whole next chapter is a summary of all the chapters beforehand. Whereas in other discourses, after the questions, he begins a summary. And then continues on the next chapter. Here the actual chapter 68 is a summary of a whole bunch of my mom till here, all the, the yeah, 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 and even here it just goes brings it back. Uh, my assumption, the reason he just does that because it's Rosh Hashanah, it's a new year, and it's like it's like yeah, he's like uh, saying okay. The expression usually is after he says we'll understand these questions on the on the verse by first prefacing what we learned earlier. He doesn't say that here. Here he's going to say. But we, the conclusion of everything we've learned till now is so and so, and then he just continues. It doesn't change Yavon, it's just I'm just pointing out style stylistically. But with that being said, let me just sum up where we are. After the long discussion of Erpnimi, which is really how divine energy manifests and energizes existence, what we know as Mamalakalam or internalized energy, the Rebbe Rashav in chapter 46 began to go move over to transcendent energy, Makiv, which is Keser. So God's desire for the world is outside of the imminent energy of existence, but it is what vivifies it and brings it into being. And went a long explanation explaining the difference between the transcendent and the imminent. Primarily two main examples are given. One is the difference in Ratzin and Kechus, desire and faculties. And there was several chapters after chapter 46, and from there on he went on to that, like 48, 49, and so on. Uh, to be precise, uh, from, 40, from 49 and on he explains that difference, Ratzin and faculties. Desire and faculties were one, Many differences, but essentially that one is a uh, it's an equalizer. It doesn't require exertion and it's not impacted. It rules instead of influences or inspires. Faculties are a relationship. And then he moved on a higher level, air. The difference in air and shafa. The difference in energy and uh, flow. Where also these differences where air is substanceless, it's completely just reflecting the source, as Ratzin reflects the source, which is the expression of the soul, and that air doesn't require effort on the part of the transmitter or and doesn't impact the transmitter. Again, they're a breakdown of more details. And this also is an example of Ermakif and Erpnimi. What I just said now, those are in the chapters. 
through uh, basically 58, 57. After establishing that, okay, so basically 46 to 57 gives us a clear understanding of the difference between transcendent energy and immanent energy. Then he moves on and starts explaining the, the effect of the transcendent energy on us. Because now the other way around. On one hand, yes, it's removed and has no relationship. All it is is reflecting the source. But that doesn't mean it doesn't affect something in existence. So it's not a relationship with existence, but it's introducing into existence elements that the Merpnimi does not reveal. And that essentially begins in chapter 58. The impact of transcendence on existence. I think I titled it, in the videos of the classes, I titled The Existential Impact of Transcendence, which is a critical component, obviously, in the whole interface and the whole relationship with God. Because now we're not talking about relating to the energy that speaks to us and communicates with us, like Aaron Akeli, talking about the relationship with the so-called more unconscious forces that bring us into being, but they're not on our, ter- on our terms. The question is, what impact do they have on existence? So clearly, as we speak many times here, something outside of the system is going to have an impact that's different than what's in the, in the, within the system. What impact does transcendence have? So here he goes, slowly spells it out. First he begins by explaining there's the difference between Makiv Kloli of Tahiri Law, which is before the Tzimtzum. The Makiv Prati, I'm sorry, Makiv Kloli after the Tzimtzum of Tahiri Tata, which is Ak, Adamkat. Then, then the Makifim Pratim that come within structure of existence itself, within the cosmic order. Makif of Atsilis, Makif of Bria. That's the impact of Ak begins with the general bitl that exists in a concealed way in existence. Which means the existence has the capacity to have bitl. That cannot come from Ermamal. Now let me qualify. Later we're going to discuss this. Obviously because the divine gives life to existence, so it's receptive also to save of Kalam. But for it to have a truly a bitl beyond the kol kaima that everything that's upright should bow before you, has to come from a place that's higher than the thing that gives you life. And that's a Sevukalam impact, meaning coming from Ak. That only place that's revealed, Yeshleimer, he says. And now I'm talking about just to give you again the sense of chapters. Sixty. The effect is the life force, that we're receptive to receive life. Even a stone. Okay. Chapter 61, he starts speaking the impact of Akan Hashomus. And he calls this Kala. Well, they're called a Kala. That everyone has, the Nitzhah has the ability to unite and cleave to the one God. He calls it hidden, he calls it love. Just a different, Amunapshuta. The capacity, even uh, simple people, the capacity, even a Kalshabakalam, even a simple person. Or Kalshabakalam means someone that's completely lax with uh, Judaism, has the ability of Messias Nefesh. And then he goes on to the idea of uh, the Bittl to the Balharots. So that's impact of Ak. Then he moves to the impact of Tehiria law. And that briefly is that the body should be receptive 
the kalim should be receptive to godliness, which is expressed in the akeda, in real, in that type of uh, giving of a life. It's expressed in a in a carbon. We bring also chelav and dam, which is the flesh, the the fat and the blood, which is the pleasure and the and the passion. And it's expressed in the um, bitlaguf, in fasting, and Yom Kippur, and so on. Then he moves on. Now, now, what about the makifim pratim, the kesher of atzilus? What impact does that have? So first he goes from chapter 63, giving like an overview here, 64 and 65. He explains the reason, the need. And before we get to the bitl of kesatz, we have to understand its purpose. What's lacking when you only have the general desire of ak, of the picture? So he gives all the explanations for that, because in ak it's still all united, the energy is equal, there's no distinct entities, and then of course the two types of desire. The desire that's still a type of power of desire, you can say it's a heskim, determination, but it's not yet a passionate, active, driving force. And then there's the desire that is, which is atzilus. After these introductions, so to speak, or after this explanation of the different of the makif, then he moves back to chapter 66. I'm sorry, 66 and then 67, where the last chapter we've learned the impact of Atsilus. of Atsilus, of makif of Atsilus, Kesha Atsilus. Now he's already talking in a more revealed way. So we know clearly it's still a makif impact. It's still an impact of transcendence. But now we're talking about a transcendence that has far more visible consequences, implications, I should say. And here he speaks about words like Ava Musuteris, the hidden love, the Usa Deliba, the desire in the heart. How, how the Nishamas Yisrael are aidas. They're aidas, they're a witness, they bear testimony to the divine. Basically, it's the ability in Aveda for a person to over, see, to over, to um, overpower and eliminate any alien, the chain any alien desires. Sa'ak is a far more passive impact. It's more the idea of you have a muna in you, you have the capacity to reach great heights, in many ways greater than Atsilis' impact. Ak's impact is greater because when, when it does impact, when a person's Messias Nefesh or something else, it's very powerful. But it's, you can't really call it a regular force that, is, that, can have, that impacts you every day as the makif of Akash of Atsilis does. And all this is not the neshama that's mamala saguf. We're not talking about the force that is imminent and internalized. We're talking about forces that are so-called lifting you up higher than existence. So, the bottom line is, the transcendent forces, the ksarim, the makifim, of the different levels, each have their own particular impact. And as you get closer to our level, like I said, the department head of our particular level, it has a transcendent impact, but it's also a, it's not as a, you can't call it such a, an equalizer. So we talk, let's say, that every soul, every Jew has a munapshuta. We talk about Avas Yisrael. That equal, that no matter who it is, they have the nukud of Yadus. You're talking about an ak type of experience there, an ak effect. If you're talking about the Rusa uh, Deliba, and so to speak, the ability for people to, to work hard and daven and break their nefesh abamis, there you're going to find distinctions. 
Even though everybody has that Amun Abshutta, but that's like a pilot flame. The Kesar Vatsilis impact is the impact that we actually have the ability to work and transform our Kalim and transform our areas. It's also transformative in the sense outside of the system, but you're talking about already an, a, a work that is commensurate. It's much closer. It's an eagle. Let's put it this way. It's like, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to, a good example for this would be. Like, like when we were in school, we used to have this. The teachers would tell us, the good, better teachers. Like they, like they would say privately when they would inspire you, they say, okay, look, you know, you should achieve as much as that other student should achieve is embarrassing. He struggles, doesn't have such a good head and stuff like that. In other words, we're not talking about now what people do on their regular. To go out of your an effort of a person who has is a more so-called refined or more developed mind, their their Atzilis is going should have a deeper impact on them than than the Kesar Atzilis or someone else who doesn't have such a uh, particular uh, gift. Whereas the Ak effect is equal. When two Jews give their lives for a serious nefesh, it makes no difference who they were. Like when we say Simchus Torah, everybody dances equally. That's a mark of Kloli. Because literally everybody dances equally. A Rebbe and a Chassid and a great scholar, and you can't even tell. Because they're all equally dancing there. That's a mark of Kloli. If you ask, give me an example of a mark of Prati, would be Makifim, not of Simchus Torah. Sometimes the Makifim of Sukkis would be an example. Even though that's also not good because in the sukkah everybody can sit equally also. It's also an equalizer. I'm trying to think in Aveda. In Aveda would be the the expectation you would have of a person who's a bigger Talmud Chochem to have a deeper Aveda, deeper Kabbalah sale because he's on a higher level. So it's not just an equalizer. I mean, you can give examples. The bottom line is transcendence has an impact on all of us and different levels and so on. I'm sure this will develop further as we go, but I just, you know, I think it's enough what I've said. I just want to make a distinction so it shouldn't be seen like it just, uh, we're not, there is a fundamental difference. Ak's impact is an equalizing impact because Ak, remember, is the picture of the entire existence. Kesar Atzilis speaks about Atzilis. As a matter of fact, he is going to explain it now because remember, we're Nishamas, not of Atzilis. We're rooted in Atzilis, but we're Nishamas that go through the stations and we assume. Personality of Bri, Yitzhir, and Asiyah. So the Aveda of a Makif, of Yonisham, of let's say a Nisham of Asiyah, or Yitzhir, or Bri, is going to be different than the Aveda of someone of Kesedat Silas. Even though, like he said, all souls are rooted in Taherihi, all souls are, are from Natsilas, and therefore they all have the general Ava Mishateris. But the interesting thing is what's happening here is, as you move from, the formula goes like this, the bigger the Makif, the more equalization there is, but the more intensity there is when it's revealed. The, the smaller the makif, meaning more, more importantly, the makif that's closer to existence as it is now, the circles are more, rel, more, uh, more, more tailored, or I'm say tailored, I don't want to use tailored by makif. Like a labouche. Yeah, as they come closer, their impact, there's more, there's more recognition of distinction, and intensity is not as powerful. So, so there are, in other words, you were able to say psychologically, map it out, you'd say the things that equalize us all, makes no difference who you are, come from a higher makif, that where every component is equal in a certain way. If you want to talk about the giluim of somebody, this person has greater qualities, this one is a tamachacham, this one is a, this one has, this avoided that, you know, even when we talk about the distinction of, let's say, the 12 shvatim, each one had their way of serving. Shara would be like a makif of the ak, 
example of you know the Shara Kail where the Shara Kail talks about davening. So it says when the Jews went through Yerushalmsuf, it's, it's split into twelve. So each tribe had its because each tribe Mesilosayala, each one has its like we like we have the twelve. Why it says in Pasha Nase, why the offerings are repeated twelve times, same offerings, because it's the same offerings but 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 different service. Each shavit has its service. Yisachar is the scholars. Zvul are the business people. Uh, Yehuda is the leaders. You know everyone has their role. But then there's a Shara Kail. Shara Kail means the gate that everyone goes through. This is sometimes used about the Nusach of Davening. The Nusach of Davening you have uh, in the Nuschais, each, you know, what's called, uh, is the world, Nara Nara Pashta, which means river, river, every river goes its way. So people have different Nusach in Davening. But then there's a Shara Kail, there are things that every, equalizes everybody. So you find Naveda also, like when we say equalizes all mitzvahs, like he spoke about mitzvahs, but then you say or or mitzvah sukkah, and etc., etc. So you have the equalizer, and then you have the distinction. So you could have the Ratz and Klali, and you have a Ratz and Prati. God's desire for mitzvahs in general, that equalizes no matter what you do, it's God's desire, like he spoke earlier. And then there's a the desire for this particular mitzvah. So as we spoke in the example with the building, that you have a structure. So the general desire is, I want a home. But then there's a desire for each section of the home. And that also needs to be elevated into the process. That also needs the interface. So that you have to build a home in your particular way that's unique to your mission, unique to your skills. So there's a makif around your particular skills, and then there's of course the skills themselves, which is the primi. So really we have imminent energy, transcendent energy that's, we'd say, uh, what's the word for it? Erech, be'erech. That's related to the primi, and then transcendent energy which is shalei which is beyond the imminent. So that's really the three, the three forces at work here. Now of course in makif itself you have teiri lot, teiri tato, but that's the thing. So now he begins a new year, Tafrei Shai and Gimel. What was the first one he said? He said imminent energy. Imminent and that, primi. That's that's. That's, that's, that's not a makif. It's, it's primi. Primi. That's primi. Or, or. There's primi. There's the makif that's shaykh le or you could say the makif hakarav, the close makif to the primi. The makif harochik, the distant makif. He actually used the word makif hakarav. By by Atzilus, he used makif karav. Absolutely. As I said, I go back to Einstein. Imminent energy is always within the system. Um, a close makif would be a mashpia that's unique to you and not to me. A mashpia, a rav that you listen to, he's a makif to you because he's an authority. He's like Rotson. You're listening to his, you're not just getting his advice. We're not talking about a friend. Whereas a friend or your own internal processes is your primi at work. Your primi will come to, you may come to a rational approach to something, but a guy who has, knows more than you, that's like above you, so to speak, in knowledge and authority, is a makif prati. But he may not be a good rav to someone else, right. because he relates to you, you relate to him. So there is a relationship, 
but it's a relationship of a teacher, of a makif and a primi. Not, I'm just giving you a note that I call completely makif because you can say a teacher is a primi a little because he's teaching you. But I would say more like when he's a pasuk, not as an advisor. But he's giving you a, an, a, a, an authoritative position. A rebbe would be not a mashpia. A rebbe would be a makif kloli. He says something by Fabrenian, even though everyone can take it to their and, and their own personal meaning. And in a Yechidus, he can speak individually, but when he's in a certain Rebbe mode, like a Moshe Rabbeinu, he's telling you the words of God. So you have much more authority there, but it's not as tailored. Then Mashpim would come in Fabrenian and say, okay, to each group, they'd say, here's what the Rebbe said the Shabbos. And then that would be an example. Or when he had Yechidus, the Rebbe. Okay, Yechidus is already applying himself more. I'm not saying... I, and that's what I'm saying. I, I'm just giving an example. When Moshe comes down from Har Sinai and says, Hashem, and I didn't say Hashem, but he repeats over, Hashem said so and so. There it's not, there all the Jews are equal. And everybody's hearing it, Lashon Yachid. And then there's Moshe sitting, and you come to him for advice. It's another story. Then he is applying himself more. The example of Mark of Korov and Rochid is the garment and the house. Pnimi is food, Mazen Levush Bayis. So Pnimi is food, Mazen internal learning Torah. Then there's two levels of makif. Levush is a makif. Because it surrounds you. But it's tailored to you. Meaning, well, from a garment you can tell the size of the person. A house, you can't tell anything. So this has to be, you can tell sometimes whether it's a wealthy. That's another story. That's But the actual house, the parameters of the house means nothing. You can have a very small person living in a very large house. You can have a very large person living in a small house. So that's begashmis. In Aveda, I would say the difference is Limudat Torah is primi. You're understanding everyone in their level. Mitzvahs, the specific kavan of a mitzvah, tzitzis, tefillin, neshek, is the rotsen prati. I want this, but it's, it's the rotsen now. And the rotsen klal is ashek of mitzvahs. If God says, I want all tayag mitzvahs, like he says, don't weigh the difference between one mitzvah and the next. Don't say this is a le- more lenient mitzvah. This is a... It's Oren and it's Makavim Exactly. Correct. Exactly correct. And and, and they're all. If you want the interface to work well, you need all three. You need the pnimi because that's the most on our terms. You need the makiv klali marachi because that's the most on divine terms. And you need the makiv pnimi. That's what he said. It's like the mamutza. That middle desire, the desire for atzilus, is the mamutza between the general desire and the pnimi. It's quite it's quite eloquent. You know, it's like a, it's a structure. It's, in other words, the science of transcendence. It's not just you know, it also explains another thing. Like people ask the question, why can't I use foreign substances or other things to transcend? Because besides the fact that you're not owning it and it's not primitive and it's just like a trip somewhere, it also, it, it, it doesn't have an order. You just, it's like being con- controlled by another force. Here, transcendence, interestingly, paradoxically, has levels. In other words, climbing the ladder is not just climbing the ladder of primi, it's also climbing the ladder of transcendence. So if you think about it, it's an actually excellent inter- interface force. Because what it's doing is it's introducing transcendence to each person according to commensurate to their level. And then they climb and so on. So bottom line is the way, this is how it works. You're born into this world. The Malach created, you know, the Malach made sure the Tzimtzum affected your soul. So consciously you forget the entire Torah that you were taught in your mother's womb. Which is why I see always education is always downhill because after that you can have the best yeshiva. It's never going to be better than what you learn in nine months. You know, the teacher, 
divine messenger, an angel teaching you the entire Torah. When is it? When, what month is it? All nine months. It says it was Tisha Chadashim. You know. well, he gives you a clock just before you're born. What, right. So, yeah, yeah. Listen to this. I mean, I build on this, but you want to talk about a psychological model. That Gemara, to me, is tremendous because it teaches a person that you're given not just the physiological development of the fetus, but it was infused with everything it needs to know for life. And the Alter Rebbe asked him, So what's the point of teaching and making someone forget? So he says, you only forget consciously. So that's why you resonate. When you when the child senses something's wrong, or the resonance of music, or resonance of right and wrong, is because the soul has embedded in it a, 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 a barometer, a, what's the word I want to use? A, a, a yeah, barometer. Like a compass. A compass. Right, a moral compass that that parents can screw up and society screws up. But if we didn't get in the way and we cultivated it, a child would naturally know what's right and wrong. But is it, the Shabbos is coming from a very high place. Anyway, my point... What does he need, what does he need to sit and learn Torah when it's coming from a place where he knew... The whole yeah, because world. coming into this uh, difficult world, my friend, is going to have to contend with a very deep symptom. You make it sound like you don't have a heart of aid in this world. We... With all these levels, even with the learning of Torah, we've got challenges. You ask me a nice theoretical question, but the fact is, even with this learning of Torah, is it easy? No, I asked you a question, is it easy? It changes? Because it gives it also inside the body. The soul is learning it now while it's developing with the body. And Shem is, look, this is Mashbiyan Eisei. This is the Mashbiyan Eisei. Also the process of learning he gets. But also the Mashbiyan Eisei. Not just Mashbiyan means not just the oath. Mashbiyan, Mashbiyan. Tzaddik, it's feeding it. Seishi. Right, so let's put it this way. The soul can use whatever it can get, my friend, in this battle. So you give it whatever you can. Because it's formidable. Look, look at the world. Look at the world. Anyway, the point being is, so then we're made to forget. I'm saying, I want to just wanted to, wanted to explain something. And then begins a long, hard journey upward. Okay? And you need chinuch and tzaddik bonim and the whole works. But if you talk about the map, essentially what we're doing here is, is the kalim are weak and, and are weak and, and immature and small and fragile, I should say, vulnerable, impressionable. They slowly begin to receive air. I'm talking about a healthy education now. If you give me the map, the Hasidic map of all of life works like this. You come into the world, everything is concealed. Embedded plenty, you've got everything you need in your arsenal. But it's all unconscious, all potential, all inside of that pure soul. A child is the closest thing to God because it's exactly God's package. It's God's creation. It's like freshly fallen snow. Both neshama-wise and body-wise. But God wants avoda and wants pneumius. So if no pneumius, a child is as close as it gets. Don't, don't touch a child and you have God's uh, a gift from God. But now he wants the tirubetachtenim. He wants the world to be transformed. So the child goes through the painstaking process of having to depend on flawed and mortal parents to try to be smart enough to know how to give the child not their own wisdom, but God's wisdom. I mean, I'm just stating it as it is. And begin, they begin to ch- teach the child. Education, love, nurturing, and so on. The kalim of the child receive, absorb slowly, slowly. As they absorb more and more, this child begins to relate to erpnimi. It has an ermakiv, like everyone does, meaning it has an element of faith and transcendence, but it's not yet, you can't call it deliberate transcendence. The child's transcendence is natural to it. The child is enchanted 
not due to its seeking something higher, because a child by nature is, is godly. A soul is godly. But then comes the stage where you develop the intelligence. As the mind develops, it can go both ways. The mind can become a force of arrogance and ego, more yesh, or the mind teaches you the truth that your, your goal here is to realize that you're not just an er and a keli and take care of your needs, that you become responsive to something higher and greater than yourself. So that's makif akarif. The ideas that we learn about, the hidden love, even the Torah that's embedded in you. And slowly you climb to the makif harachik, where you come to realize that there's some equalizing force that's beyond all of existence. And not just bitl hayesh, but bitl b'metzius. And that leads you back to, to the path of the kav. So it's like the kav brought this energy here and diminished it. You climb it back, climb back the ladder, and the kav leads you all the way to the tzimtzum and beyond. And that, to the point that you can relate to a, a reality that's completely different than our own. And now it can be integrated because you did it in a, in a spoon-fed way. Like the teacher who begins teaching the child very, very... Uh, Bite-size, uh, yeah, spoon-feeds, olive base gimel. olive base gimel become broadened out, expand, you start learning words, ideas, to the point that you can experience a transcendence, you can experience and reach not only what the teacher knows, but even beyond what the teacher knows. That's the picture. Now, if we built our Moises Chinuch around this model and figure out how to take care of each stage of this and it should all be aligned with this, we'd be in good shape. For sure not. That's also part of the part of it. But still, there is there are certain emotional, you know, children of five years old. Even if they're different, they can go into one class because they all have. They're still at that same development stage generally. And there's a, you know. I remember as a kid, one of the things that bothered me a lot when we were in yeshiva was they would put in our class guys that were five, six years older than us. It was like very weird. Even as a kid, I couldn't relate to it. You know, we had guys that they would come, they didn't know so well. So much guys. Guy, remember a guy, Misha, came from Russia. He had a beard. We were seven years old, and he was 13, 14. And not, I mean, he was a nice guy. I felt bad for him because, first of all, it's so humiliating. And second, more important, psychologically, we're not the same. It doesn't matter. He may know a lot less Torah than us. In the facts, he knows less. But but he's not in the development state. They don't do that anymore. That was a you know, a convenient effort to try to, because they had no class for him, so they had nowhere to stick him in, so they stuck him in. Today, I think that became like something you don't do at all, that you never do that. I'm just pointing my thing out, there's a wisdom to, the fact of the matter is, God made it smart. You know, I remember the first day, you know, once you're 17, 18, I start saying, the only people I knew were my classmates, basically. And I said, hey, I'm not compatible with these guys, they're like weird, some people I grew up my whole life with. I'm not saying weird, they were great guys, but like, what we happen to just Hashgach is we're in the same class. But it's not like someone put us together. We just grew up in the same community and they put us in the same class. You come to realize that you're an independent entity. Not, a, But it's interesting. Then I realized, you know something? God is very smart. The earlier years of development, He doesn't let your distinct entity does not disturb your ability to be with classmates. And that's very healthy. Because you learn to socialize. You learn to interact. Everything in its time. That's the thing. Yeah. Anyway. So we do move on to the next mimer, which, as I said, is unique because the first, the whole chapter 68 is a summary, which is very good. Thank God. 
the Rebbe Shab is going to help us uh, reality check in case we, we we got lost in the woods. So this is Rosh Hashanah and Gimel. If we're really living with the times, we'd say Shana Teva Tikasevu, Shana Tova. We're about to come to that anyway, but we're a little ahead of the curve here. So we're doing Rosh Hashanah a month early. Just today, which is good. I like that. So by the time the rest of the world catches up with us in Iron Bays, you're well advanced. This Rosh Chodesh sets the stage for all the Rosh Chodeshes of the whole year. And yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, yeah. Very important. I just, I don't know if any of you get the Club 72 emails. I just sent it out on Friday late. I did, because this past, Re'eh, I know I sent it late. Re'eh, there was no Miami in Iron Bays. It skipped. Really? So I went to do research. Why? Because there is a Re'eh Mimer. In, in that's not part of the Hemshech. So what's the I can't figure out. So I wrote. A, did you read what I wrote? I don't know. If, I don't know. Do any of you get you get these? I, I noticed it. You have to subscribe to it because it's, I mean it's free, but you have to subscribe. I'll send, send you the form. Subscribe to it. It's, very, it's I do summaries of the of that weekly mime hundred years ago. It's a few by more back where we're up to. So it's interesting. I did a whole research. It's great stuff. Uh, the Rebbe Rashab summers would go what we would call vacation, quote-unquote. So I wrote up a whole list of every vacation place he went every summer from doing his leadership. I found it, the Rev. Friedrich Rebbe, I, you know, I gathered together. And, and so he went to a place called um, uh, Zaolsha, which was 30 kilometers from Lubavitch, the summers of 1911 through 1915. So that, for A, he was in Zaolsha because the Hanukkah, we have Hanukkah. Rabbi Simpson made it. It's not the Rebbe himself did not write the Mimer. It's one of the one of the Bochum wrote it, and he writes on top Benoyz Desha, which means in the pastures of green, <laughs> uh, meaning referring to like so-called vacation spot. Zaolsha, he writes that. So first I thought, okay, so maybe that's why, because he went away from Lubavitch. And and, and 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 what was Lubavitch? It's also a nice desha. What is it? It wasn't a city. It doesn't matter. But Lubavitch, I know, no, because the yeah, fact is, no, no, because the fact is, once the Rebbe Rashab left Lubavitch for good in October 1915, after Tishrei Tafresh he never said Ayin Beis again. That was the last mimer. Was the last mimer in Lubavitch. That's known. Hold on. It doesn't matter. You're talking. You're talking Gashmis. Lubavitch is is this, is, the, is the America's is the center. The thing. The Rebbe Rashab has a whole thing that he would only wear Shtrimel in Lubavitch. Even though Lubavitch definitely says on Dachi he wouldn't wear one. Lubavitch has his power. I understand that. It was a relationship. As a matter of, as a matter of fact, the Friedrich Rebbe, after Tafresh Payalov, went back to Lubavitch and said a mimer there in Elul in 1921. Wow. You know that? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went back to Lubavitch. Yeah, it's printed. I'll show it to you. He, I don't know what he... It's, all, it's printed. He went back in Lubavitch in 1921 set a mimer there in El. Oh. Maybe Pei Beis even. Give me a Tafresh Pei Beis right here. See? You think Rebbe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Pei Al. Here, Lubavitch. Yeah, I'm quite correct. Ani kel elakim akro. Yem gimel shaved him in the evenings. Tough Mem Zion. Doesn't matter. He went back. You ask a question, I'm going to see it's here. He went intentionally. I don't know what was there, but something was there. 
There's a whole Adelch here. Adelch Abikur. Here's a whole thing. Tough pay vav. Here, here's a reshim about his Bikur and Lubavitch. Yeah, here's a whole uh, a description. Someone wrote up in a diary a description of his visit to Lubavitch. Yeah. Kaius Tafresh Bebeis, the summer of 22. That's the last time in the Rebbe. That's the last time. He goes, he says like this When I went to Lubavitch that summer, the Friedrich Rebbe is writing in his Igris. When I went to that summer of 1922, Nivhalti, I was shocked. On the site, on the destruct, on the shamim, uh, how everything was like uh, desolate. Rachman al That's what he writes. He says, "Azal Gadol." The big zal of the yeshiva was a was a, was a, a town theater. They turned it into a theater. He says, "The room where my father would sit became a a a base a mishpat, a court, a local courthouse." <laughs> He says, in the rooms where they lived, it became a place where the city council was. In my room where I was, it became based on the Sairani, like the, the officials, yeah. And everything. And the, and the place where the, the school was, he says, the whole burned down. Yeah, he goes on. He describes everything. He says the oil, the base measures. He goes through everything. He had been there since 1915. Right. Since 1915. Yeah. yeah. The word the yeshiva stayed a little longer, but then it uh, also closed. The last, the red, the last, Na- last one. Last one. Tofresh I involved is the last maimon I embase. That was the last Shabbos. Is that the the Rebbe Rashab. Anyway, because the war, Rostov, the, the war was coming. World War One. In the volume two, then the volume two. After that, he only wrote. He didn't continue to say. So that's what I thought first. That's also, maybe that's why I connected to Lubavitch. But then I found the Friedrich Rebbe, Nachamu, was also said as Alsha. And that is part of the Hemshah. And he says that the whole, that after Shavuos, 19, Bays, the Rebbe Rashab went to, um, to Alsha, till approximately before Rosh Hashanah. So it's clearly it's apparent, unless he went back every Shabbos, but he didn't. Nachmul for sure he didn't. So it's clear that he did say. So the only thing you can say is that. So I don't know why Re'e is not part of the Hemshech. It's hard to say. Uh, clearly, he did not say the Hemshech when he went out of the country, but however. The years of Ayim Bays, if he went to Germany or France or other places, he did not continue the Hemshech. We have Maimorim, but not from the Hemshech. But that you could say was practical, because the people who heard the Hemshech weren't with him. So what's the point? And the people there didn't know what he said before, so it would be like... Uh, it started in 1912, right? Shavuot is 1912. I, I wrote all this up. It's, I, write, I write up... I, lo- I, did, uh, I love the historical... Yeah. Yeah, the historical details are... Yeah. The historical details are very fascinating. Yes. How the Rebbe Rashab... I was Montan. Yeah, yeah, that's where we'd go in the winters. That's where you go in the winters. No, south of France. I heard he did that iron base there too, no? He, that's where he developed the whole iron base. He developed it. Not he said it. He developed it. That winter, 1912, yes. is when he developed iron base in his mind there. In Menton. Shavuos in Lubavitch. Yeah. Basically winter, yeah. Like six months later, five months later. I saw the house that he was I know. People say it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can see. It's a beautiful place, yeah? It's very nice. And it's... 
You can see in the, in the gate, there's a, it's a stone gate, you can see the place where, it's not, not non-Jews live there now. You can see where the mezuzah was. There's an indentation right. in the middle of the state. Okay, anyway, interesting. So bottom line is, I don't really know why, but he, but I, I wrote up the whole thing. The Friedrich Rebbe says that because of health, he had to be in warm countries and in Chefayam, uh, and on the shore. So the Rebbe Shab did go every, almost every year. 1915, of course, when he went once, he went to Rostov. It was a whole, there's interesting places he went to in the summer. One place was in Mahayane Rufur, like the springs of healing springs. He went to a place called Liman, that's near Odessa. They say they say where the river Dnestr goes into the Black Sea. He describes it all every summer after Shavuos he would go. Trust me, it was not what we call vacation. The, the Maimorim, yeah, Maimorim, the Maimorim that he he said Maimorim these places. So it was not just uh, sitting around and shooting the breeze. Right, exactly. <laughs> well said. So now let's continue on. The Rebbe has the Sikhs about that. The, the Baal Shem Tov traveled, the Magid didn't. The Alter Rebbe traveled, the Mitla Rebbe didn't. I mean, he doesn't go on after that. But it's Mashma also, the Friedrich Rebbe traveled, the Rebbe didn't. Kemei Al-Tanach, the Rebbe speaks. Sukhis, the Shpiz and Sikhs. There were two Drachim. It was like Avram Avinu traveled, Yitzchak didn't. Yeah. There's two, the two of two of two ways of. I heard the harsh place all the time. You've been there, yeah. So I, I, someone I was when I was teaching Samarvov, someone one a woman I know, she comes to one of my classes, so she went to visit there. She showed, she was shocked. She said, "Here is where a Rebbe developed Samarvov," because like you think, like New York, a big city. But she was amazed. It's interesting. You don't need that place. You could sit under a tree and develop the biggest ideas in history. Who says, you know, it just goes to show you. You don't have any videos of something do you? No, I didn't do videos. I have tapes. Some tape. Not, not, but also not a lot. You put them online? I can put them online. There are, I did like 30 tapes from the beginning. First three, four, my morum. Great if you put them online. I did it differently than I did it here. There I went... That was like a lot of explanation there. Anyway, Zeh Yem Tchilas Masecha, page 127, chapter 68. Zeh Yem Tchilas Masecha, is the Rosh Hashanah. This is the second night of Rosh Hashanah. So Zeh Yem, this is the day of the beginning of your Masecha, of your actions, of your creations. It's a reminder to the first day. We say this on Rosh Hashanah. This is the day today is referring to the day of Rosh Hashanah. It's called the beginning of Masach, of your creations. Seemingly not understood. It's not understood. Famous question. Isn't Rosh Hashanah the sixth day of creation? The 25th of El the world was created. Rosh Hashanah Yem Vov. Shana is the sixth day. So what do you mean this is the beginning of your creation? And that's also understood from the second half of the statement. Reminds us, reminds us of the day one. The first day. Because it's the sixth day. That's the sixth day when Adam Harishan was created. So, so the question is, so why do you call it Tchilas Masacha this sixth day? 
We also also understand what's what's once you say what's the meaning of Shoshana being a reminder of day one. What's what's that mean? So now Samaches, usually a mimer would go now the Hoven calls a Yesh Lahagdamashana's Bailil. Instead he goes now, and I think this is because it's Rosh Hashanah Mimer. So it's like it's like the people who came Rosh Hashanah. He's like summing up everything he said till now. So chapter sixty eight is a entire chapter summary. And then he continues on. I'm sure the summary has plenty of additional elements. So you have people that didn't hear, so that I'm not so maybe we have to look at other Yom Tevim whether he does the same thing Shvuas definitely Shvuas Ayin Gimel remember after this will now go all the way through Vayigash every Shabbos I believe there's a Mimer and then Vayigash Ayin Gimel which means winter Ayin Gimel 1913 now we're talking well it's around the end of 1912 I would say uh, the Rebbe Roshab stops the Hemshech and he will not resume till Shvuas Ayin Gimel so you have a whole period, basically from December 1912 to, let's say, June 1913, the Hemshech stopped being said. Didn't mean he stopped writing. But the delivery stops. So this will now go... So basically, Shavuos 1912, let's say, June 1912 to December 12, 1912, more or less, almost every week. And then a break for around five months. And June 1913, he resumes. But he wrote, you have the mind more there's no Maimorim in between. No, he said other Maimorim. We have a volume of Maimorim of Ayin Bey that are not from the Hemshech. The writing continued. What does that The writing of... Because he wrote... No, of both of other Maimorim, but also of the Hemshech. The Hemshech was written before it was delivered. No, We're talking about delivering, no, saying it on Shabbos. He didn't plug it to... Uh, he didn't catch it. He put no, he did. He did. Then later he connects it to those Parshas. Oh, yeah. so what is it? Oh. No, but there's nothing in those weeks. The, 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 remember the Hemshech was written without any parshas altogether. It was right. just a flow. Right. He wrote that before he even said it. Oh, the delivery is only those weeks. Then when he added the beginnings and ends, you only have till Vayigash a beginning and end. And then Vayigash continues, Shavuos. The next Maimah that has a beginning and end, the next, uh, the Hemshech continues, Shavuos. That's all. And in between those weeks, those months, he did say Maimarim. That's all I'm saying. Samach Vav is also similar. Remember, he traveled also. He traveled in the, in the winters. Like he probably went to Menton and other places in, 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 at the end of 1912, like in the beginning of 1913. This is a summary of which chapters? How many? All the psalms? No, I would say this is this is a summary from probably uh, chapter. Uh, I think from Nuntas. Yeah, 69 probably. 59. We'll see. We'll see. Now, what is derived from? What we conclude from? What we uh, derive from? Yetsin literally means it comes out from, but is uh, derived from, from everything that was discussed earlier. The is that in the general structure, the general chained order, if you want to put it, like a chain, shtalshlus. Here's Beis Madregas. There are two levels. The truth is, if I would if I would say Mashnas Baralil is every chapter till from one till six fifty sixty seven goes into this category. Then the Shlashus there's two levels. I told you from chapter two to forty six is or about Er Primi. From forty seven till around fifty nine is Er Primi and Er Makif. From forty nine on is Er Makif till here. 49, 59, I'm sorry, I say 40, 46 
through 59, through 58. 47 through 58 is uh, is both Armakiv and Primi, and then 59 begins Armakiv, and now he's summing up the whole thing. So he says, yes, Beis Madrigas, Erpnimi Ve'ermakiv. There's an imminent energy and there's a transcendent energy is how we're defining it. Literally, primi means internal, integrated. Makiv means surrounding, encompassing. Because in the first root in the infinite light before the tzimtzum, yeah, absolutely, he's talking about the, from the beginning of the Hemshech. Because this is not, Esfiris Agnuzis is far earlier. So he's summing it all up here. He's giving us the summary of the whole thing. So it's a very vital connecting interface chapter in the Hemshech itself. So the root before the Tzimtzum we're talking. In the first root, the root of the imminent energy of the ten hidden spheres in the infinite light. Their inyan and their purpose is to radiate in the world. Remember we spoke, they have a purpose to, to affect, to impact the world. This is what God envisioned or estimated within himself or allocated and we evaluated, we have all these words that we use, shirat. He evaluated and estimated within himself So the infinite divine energy before the tzimtzum envisions and allocates and estimates so to speak, he like determines that there's going to be a he's going to radiate in a with parameters with measure and parameter. But these ten spheres, the way they are, in the infinite light before the tzimtzum, they're completely shapeless, formless. Not just relative. Pshittis. Like pshittis, as he calls it. But Because they're not in any way distinguishable, a distinct entity. Remember these words? It goes back a while. Their pshittis literally means simple. I would say it means simple, meaning have no gradations, no, no. Um, they're seamless. Pchinis yisardus, and they're a state of unity. Visarvus and a conglomerate, uh, mixed together, uh, homogenized, composite. No, I wouldn't say composite because we're not talking about composite as a composite of pieces. Here you're talking about sarvus uh, that there's just a. They're just like, like all one liquid gel, like one big uh, uh, nebula. No, because it's not details combined. They're in a state. They're, they're all in a state of uh, in, uh, yeah. They're 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 not in a state of ten spheres. It's even deeper than that. See, that Hisarvus is lower than Hisarvus in a way. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We discussed it earlier. He said clearly that we're not talking about. This, this is even not even a quantum state. This is even well, before quantum. Right. The truth is, if you enter there, you would not recognize anything. Right, right. But, 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 but God wanted to have us in his picture there. That's the point. No. But even deeper than that, because, yeah, because the mind, the brain is a brain at least, it's not a heart. By day at Simpsum. That's the ultimate thing we have to get to. <laughs> As I said, it's hard for us to even envision spiritual Asiya. Forget about uh, this level. By day at Simpsum and through the concealment, 
the tzimtzum, the, the black hole, the quantum leap of the tzimtzum, nimshuchuliyah spheres pratis. They're transmitted to become in distinct, distinct spheres. You have to really understand these things through process of elimination. Think of it like this. If there was no esosphere sagnusis, and it would just be a symptom and suddenly spheres, we'd have no way back to God's mind, basically. Because God has the potential in atmos also to create ten spheres. Esosphere sagnusis is not atmos. No. No. Atmos, you don't even say it. Remember he said atmos, there's the level where there's infinite spheres, and there's a level where there's no spheres altogether, and then and the atmos is, is before air even. Remember, Atmos is built in Mitzis Nimtz. Atmos is an existence we can't even discuss because it doesn't exist like we exist. We can't relate to it in any person. We, sort of like a, like we have examples of Atmos. Only, only relative, speaking to us. It's not an emanation. It's God wanted us to connect with Him. He could have made everything begin after the Tzimtzum, think of it this way, and He made it not begin after the Tzimtzum. He wanted it within His own presence to have all these things envisioned before they would actually come to be. He doesn't need it for him. An artist has to envision a piece of art before he creates it, because he's a human being. There's no way you're going to create art without envisioning it. But God wanted us to have a relationship with him, so therefore he chose to envision it. Basically, as I said, if the spheres would emerge after the symptom, that would be our ceiling. That's all we can get to. And everything after that is the, the, what we call the big beyond. It would be a transcendence that's not possible to, to, to bring into our being. The fact that the infinite divine light that can do th- uh, infinite possibilities chose and determined to make ten spheres, however you define that entity, I, I don't think you could imagine it. That's why I said through the process of elimination you could imagine it. All you could say is, like we say, what does this mean? Think about what it means. We have wisdom. She so say God is wise, but not with knowing the knowing knowledgeable wisdom that we have, not with the knowledge that we know. Basically, what you're really saying is you can't say he's not wise. So you're saying he's not not wise. That's what you're really saying. We ask me questions. This is a thing we say in Pesach every Friday. What Rambam? What are you referring to? Which Rambam? And it says Antan. It says that this is talking not Silas. The Rambam is talking in Eris and Kelim after the Simpson. We're talking here at levels that are. So we say God, God. It says God is, uh, is. So you're basically saying, is God wise? The answer really is no. But he's not. Not you can't say he's not wise because wisdom came from him. So, so you can't call him chachma. So you say he's a chachma belay chachem yadiyah. Would be he exists, but not like we exist. He's wise, but not like we're wise. What is that? This, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, all I can tell you is the essence is the fnat symptom. I don't know. You want to compare it to that? It helps you find. If the Rebbe Rashab said so, I would say for sure. You could say the face can be many levels. The face can be Atzillus too. There's a lot of levels how you describe the face. Depends. Most people can't see Atzillus and live. Okay? It says in Tanya, that if you saw the Chayes that was inside of you right now, you couldn't live. You couldn't exist. So, Moshe Rabbeinu, face usually means a higher level. Usually means. Is it Atzmus? Atzmus? I don't know. Atmos does not manifest in seeing or not seeing. You can experience Atmos, you don't have to see Atmos to experience Atmos. What are you trying to understand? You want to understand Atmos and Giluim? It's a whole discussion that it's not you have to you have to erase almost your whole hard drive if you want to go there. Because I don't know what you heard from others. No, no. 
Fine. No, I'm saying the, the way to the way to get atzmos, you have to go through process of elimination. Atzmos, the mere fact, if the whole mistake, every philosopher, and even Mukabalim, some made made God is not a greater version of us. He's not a perfect version of the of, of humanity. That's not God. So this dismisses, eliminate that. Most of us think of God as being, okay, I'm powerful. He's all powerful. It's all on our terms. As soon as you think like that, you're not talking about the God in God's terms. You're thinking about a God and God in your terms. Like, you know, the principle in the school is our authority. And God's the biggest principle. This is the fallacy of everyone's visioning of God. It's a juvenile. Look, that's a big part of Siddhis is to eliminate this this uh, this fairy tale God. That we say in davening. No, I didn't say no. That, that you think in davening, not what it says in davening. You saying what you think in davening, what davening says. Okay, so 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 right, exactly. What does that mean? It's hundreds of whole Kabbalah comes to answer that question. Did you know this? Did you ever read Shari Shmitzas Atzila from the Tzamech Tzedek? She talks about this at length. There was a whole machlekes between the Baal Kabbalah and the Baal Nigla, who asks. Says, what are you, when you daven, you're thinking about God, you're thinking about uh, Chesed and Gvura. And it's a whole problem because you can't daven to Chesed and Gvura, you're supposed to daven to God. There's only one God. We don't have intermediaries. We don't have, what's the difference between saying a star is God's power and saying Chesed is God's power? They're both not God. It would be Avedah Zara ultimately. Exactly. Love Alayla Medesav. So that's what he says to the Makubal. Someone brings it in, in Tefillah. How do you daven? So he says, I don't know about all these levels. I daven like a child davens. There's God and that's all. I don't know about anything else. So the question of course then is, so what are all these levels in, 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 and why do we talk about Hashem Agdullah and what is going on? Exactly. This is the whole discussion whether spheres are, are Lakus or not. The whole thing is discussed. Are the energies divine? Is there a shape? Is there no shape? That's why the Mukabalim, many of them hold that in the earth there's no shape. Or portion. Right, exactly. Because that, and when we're davening, we're davening to the earth, so to speak, but the earth doesn't have any pshidis. It's, it's, it's God through the earth. I mean, this is the long discussion. This is a big, big part of Kabbalah and how you understand, how you reconcile that. It's ultimately the interface. And what about Salam Alakim in Chumash? You got the same problem initially. Now, what it says, it says. It says what it says. The question is what it means. Let's put it this way: without Chassidus and Primis Atera, you're going to be lost. You're going to be very difficult for you to. to yeah, 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 yeah. Because you know, the simple interpretation would be is that uh, that there is something of godliness within our, our image. Then the question you have is: so what exactly is God? You know, that's why. If you really take out the opinions of Simpson, Kapshute, and so on, is basically is that God removed Himself from all of existence. What we have is just reflections. It's like God watching us through a window, that type of thing. See that that's that that's a simpler way that makes it that solves a lot of problems. Because that way we're not talking about God. We don't have a relationship with God Himself. We have a relationship with God's creation, so to speak. But then you have big problems with Achdus Hashem. Because then what happens with God? So then the God is there. The God that's above existence is he connected to existence. That's where you get problems. So the, the, the classical answer that's not a chassidus would say, we ain't We don't get involved in these mysteries. We just follow what God says in the Torah and it's not up to us to understand. That's why 
the prohibition against learning Kabbalah and, and so on. This is a shitta. This is a shitta. Don't go there. You're, you're a mortal human being. Don't go there. It's not your business. You heard this somewhere or you read this somewhere? Okay. The reason I'm not... It's fine. Or Miguel's a great man. The, the, problem, the problem is that when you talk about these things, you need to know exact sources or else you get yourself into trouble. Okay. I don't want to start dismissing the Grah because you have to be a big gone. And it's called a gone even by the Rabbeim. Uh, the difference in Messiah and the Mechsidim is a whole other discussion. You know, what exactly the Grah was against or wasn't against. The general consensus is that the Grah was misinformed. And the Rebbe did want to meet him and wanted to clarify. Because the Grah, also the instigation against Chassidim was that the Chassidim are like Shabtai Tzvi. That was the impression they were getting. That they're not, they're breaking halacha. They're doing weird things. They're not learning, you know. So when you hear that, and Shabbat three wasn't much longer before that, you start you're suspicious. I would, you know, if I was a skeptic living in some town and there's no internet and stuff like that, even that, you know, you start thinking, okay, what's what's this new movement? So there's not. It shouldn't be surprised to bother us that there was a resistance. Why would everyone embrace the Balshemtov suddenly? Who says he's accurate? You know, Torah Tor Jew wants to know. Someone came to you and said there's a, you know. No, no, I'm just I'm just trying to point out. But people like the Maggid and the Talmudim of the Maggid, like the Alter Rebbe, major scholars, they went and, and they went to see. They didn't, by hearsay, he went to the Maggid. And then when they saw things, they embraced. They were all started as non Chassidim. The Alter Rebbe was not a born Chassid. Okay, his father went to the Baal Shem Tev and so on, but I mean to say, everybody was a Tzugekumen, as they said, you know. But uh, the bottom line was. Then there's the, so there's the, that's the so I would call that like the cultural fears and suspicions, like the Rebbe says many times. But what do we see? But Poyal, the generations past, we see Chassidim didn't break Allah, Adar they intensified it. And who puts on two pairs of film, and who's Mahadir, etc., etc. So the proof, in the, so now we don't have these the doubts, so to speak. But there's still, there's a whole other discussion is the doctrine of Chassidus. And the doctrine before Chassidus, or those that didn't learn Chassidus. And there, there, there's far more fundamental issues. This I, I can understand. There was distrust. And today, the Rebbe would say, listen, come and look and see what Chassidim do. And they tell me there's something to distrust. You know, like, but there's a doctrine. And then a political element developed as well. That's why the Rebbe was so upset about what was going on in Bnei Brak. He says he's reviving a machlekes that already was going away. Yeah, and was getting better. Because we don't have any more and he, what the Mechlekes did he revive? A Mechlekes of what? Of distrust when there was not knowledge. How could you bring back and say, he's basically saying, since Chabad doesn't sleep in a sukkah, that means they're Shabtai Tzvi, because, they, they, you know. so if the, if the Gra had that fear, okay, because he doesn't know. So, but then they found out. That was what the Rebbe disturbed most, because what, you, what are you doing now? You bring back, a, like, it's like a Japanese fighting World War II when the world was over, you know. There's nothing to fight. What are you fighting about? But, but they would, they wanted to make it. So there, there's a lot of confusion on their end. It's very political. And it's not like... So if you want to have a machlekes about Simpson Kipshute, my, my teacher says, Simpson Kipshute, your teacher doesn't say it. Fine, let's discuss that. But they turned it into a personal battle. That was the thing the Rebbe upset most. Like delegitimizing Chassidus. Which says no bait. Why, why would you, you could say it's not my derech, but to delegitimize it. But then there's the whole discussion what we're saying now is doctrine. With Alter Rebbe and Perik Zayin, Shaykh Ramuna says not those that make the mistake and and attribute like a physical element to God and make it Simpson Kripshute, that God removed himself. 
But this is a long discussion, which I don't want to have now because it's not in this mimer. But suffice it to say that remember, you're talking about great people who said this. So the Gra was not the first that said Simpson Kapshute. So this you probably didn't hear. The first one is the Mishnah's Chassidim, who's one of the Tamidim of the Arizal. And, and, and we accept him. He's, 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 not, he's, he's a full authority. Sefer called Yesha Lavov, he advocates this position of Simpson Kapshute. He actually gives the example of a king who looks into the windows of a bathroom. Because God can't be inside Makam Aklipas. It's not the Graz example, it's the Mishnah Chassidim example. I'm pretty familiar with the subject because I did, I did a lot of research on it and the Rebbe spoke about it at length, etc. It's a long discussion and it's, it's, it's not so simple. So it's quite complicated. Yeah, he could have done it that way, correct. But, but it requires more discussion. But I will just so suffice it to say, to go back to the point, the, the Alter Rebbe was Makabal from his teachers. That's what the Rebbe says, that we have a relationship with Atzmus. And that Atzmus did want to have a relationship, not just after the Tzimtzum, but before. And as such, developed a whole, pro, a whole structure of how we connect. Now, I can bring sources. Like, for example, when you say that God says, don't just put on tefillin and keep Shabbos and eat kosher. But v'ahavtas Hashem alakecha. V'yadaitas Hashem alakecha. Hashem alakecha tira. These are relationship words. Love, awe, understanding. So they would argue, okay, that's you relate to the love of God, that relates to you, the God that, that gives you life, that gives you food, gives you children, gives you health. But clearly, Chesidus, and you see Ayin Beis goes all the way, wants a relationship all the way with Atzmus. And ultimately, Agdus is that we have a relationship with Atzmus, which is why we have to have all the painstaking arguments for Eir, that Eir is an energy, but it makes no Shinri in the source. This all comes to answer our relationship with Atmos. The simplest way would say we don't have a relationship with Atmos, just have a relationship with lower levels, and then Atmos is not in the picture, so there are no problems. Our God doesn't get changed, there's no, in the, in the immutability, what do they call the omnipresence, the immutability of God remains intact. The problem becomes when you have a relationship. How could you have a relationship and it shouldn't be reciprocal? That's where the dilemmas come, and that's really a big part of Chassidus Chabad has come to answer that question. Agdus with, with the highest levels. So you said to have a relationship with Asmus, you'd have to erase your hard drive and have a, Where in Chassidus is the most detailed understanding of Asmus? Is it an in iron base and first I like the question. It's a good question because I have that question. You're not going to like the answer. Tiny? No, it's everywhere and nowhere. Let me explain what I mean. It's between the, behind, between the lines of all this that we're learning. You can't go there unless you go through the earlier chambers. That's the thing. And we wish we could get it. You know, just learn that mimer. So you just learn that mimer, and what do you have to learn the rest of the mimer? It would be like, you know, the bottom line is that Atzmus made, so in, in, inextricably bound himself to Ishtalshlus that you can't get to him without Ishtalshlus. Now, you can have certain glimmer, glimpses like we said, of Tehiri love, Mesiris Nefesh, of Amuna, so on and so forth, of Tshuva. But you can't really have a relationship without going through all the levels. So there are my Marm that talk more about Atmos. I can tell you which my Marm they are. But they're part of the picture. There's no way you can learn them without learning this. Even here in Ayim Bays, he refers to this at the end of... Uh,
the end of chapter 49, he refers to the Atmos. And then there's my Marm, Tavshin Zayin, Tiku, Matsuzu. I could show you my Marm, we'll talk about Atmos. But it's not gonna, it, it just talks about it that there's elements of Atmos in our reality. But remember, the same Atmos that you want to have is the same Atmos that created the Timsum and Asayder Stauschlis. So, how are you going to get them without going through his tools? That's his tools. Bottom line is, I, what I was getting to was it's hard to envision, imagine for humans like us, the Erlifnet Simpson. We just can't envision it. If we could, there wouldn't be needed Simpson. Why didn't just God give Why would he need a Simpson for if we can just relate to the Erlifnet of Lifnet Simpson? The Simpson says you can't even leave one glimpse of light, it has to be a complete black hole. <coughs> Because if you leave one glimpse of light, we would never come, um, be able to emerge. So that means you can understand how difficult it is for us to relate to before symptom type, pre-symptom reality. Pre-symptom reality would force, would have to be meaning you have to cease to exist to be able to relate to it. In a way, that's what Hashem... Yes, exactly. So you want to be there? You can't be you. You want you and there? No way. But that's why the Kav doesn't reach the top, bottom. It reaches the bottom, the whole black hole ceases to be, because the rest gets filled up with, there's no myelomata. The kav is the key. The tzimtzum and the kav are the key to keep the balance. It's like, imagine a tsunami, and the, 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 the command to tell water not to stop by a breach, what would happen? What would happen is, at the beginning of creation, the whole world was covered in water. We could not exist if water flooded us. So we say, Mola Ares Deus Hashem, the world will be filled with divine knowledge, the waters cover the sea, then we'll be able to because we'll have enough strong kaolin to absorb it. But today we can't. Or now we're at the verge, whatever. But being, in other words, existence, that's the whole point why he keeps saying, we learned this earlier, that if the symptom was not complete, existence cannot come to be. Eitz Chaim asks, Arizal asks, since a kav came afterwards anyway, why didn't he just make a symptom and just leave a kav? Why does it have to be complete concealment and then a kav? The answer is because then it would never be the, the intensity that the kav would still retain because it still had something would be too powerful for the... So like a student, the teacher is so brilliant, he has to be silent before he speaks. If he, could, if he just says, you know what, okay, instead of me just pouring it on, I'm just going to... My, my, the stream, the flow will just become a small little flow. It's too, still too strong. So you need complete concealment, complete silence, an existence independent reality can emerge, and now you can begin to spoon feed it, basically. A stream of consciousness can enter, then the containers expand until they can receive even before the symptom. So I'm not saying you can't relate to before the symptom, but I think the only way to do it is through your dear You have to look at it. What would be a reality that's not like our reality? That's the way to do it. If I had no ego, if I had no sense of self, what would, I, what would it be like? It's hard to imagine that, right? You want to understand it with being a sense of self. That's the problem. That's why Bittl Metzius is not so easy to, to get to. It means you, that, it's a contradiction of terms. That's the whole thing. It's like, same thing like, I, I just apply it to reality. Love. People want love. They treat it like it's a commodity. They want to control love. They want to own it. They don't want to be hurt by it. They want to, I control, but love by nature, healthy love, is giving up, is surrender. You can't own it. Just like you can't own truth. It's when you submit, it emerges. 
People don't want that. They want to have it on my terms. Just like they own a house and a car, they want to own love. You can't own you can't own forces that are real, basically. They the only way they they they, they the only way you get them is through emergence and through uh, allowing it to emerge. Avram came to this conclusion. Avram, through a process of elimination, realized Avedazar the, the 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 idols of his father for a complete baloney. So he went out to look. That's what it says. He went to look. What do you do? You start looking. We look in the sky, nature, sun, the moon. Then he saw the sun sets. So that so they just realized the sun is just a bigger part of the world. It's also part of reality. What did he come to? What was his final? How did he get to God? Right. He came to realize that God is not. I'm not going to find God. God's going to find me if I stop looking, so to speak. He had to basically say, "Stop being me," and then a reality will emerge. And this is exactly what happened. So he began through first looking for something on his terms, then realizing it's not on my terms. To put it in simple English, the, the, the part cannot define the whole. The whole defines the part. If the part defines the whole, then the whole is just another extension of the part. You follow what I'm saying? So if God is God, God defines us, not we define God. That's the difference between God, we're created in God's image, not God's created in our image. All of Aydazara. On a real literal sense, and even the subtle form of desire that we all employ, is we create a God in our image. Start imagining God in your terms. Now, there's nothing wrong with that if you immediately negate it. You know that's why Mamalakalman is not enough. That's why you say, okay, God has wisdom, but not the wisdom that we have. You have to come to that second step, or else you you, you, you create God becomes just a bigger you, which is of course the defeats the whole purpose. This is like Mamalakalaman would be the God within existence. Elokim. But you don't say Elokim. You say Hashem Hu Elokim. You don't say Elokim Hu Hashem. Havai, the transcendent, is one with... They says, Less man the toughest bay. Who toughest bukula? What's the expression? Less man. Now, if you remember, he said, "Less machshavat tfisabeklav." Thought cannot grasp him, but Rusa deliba can, because Rusa deliba is going away from you. It's your desire for him. That's why you can grasp him, not because you suddenly are uh, you found a trick. It's not like, oh, you know, I found I found the back way in, because you're no longer you. That's why. Wow. You give yourself, so you can then grasp him. It's the classic. I remember, you know, I don't know if this example works for you. For me, it always worked. I don't know, like quantum always, you know. Remember as kids, I, as a kid, I used to love to break open thermometers to get the mercury. Right, no, no. It may have caused the uh, brain damage. I don't know. No, 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 no. I did not swallow it. That's not the point. It was, it's destruct. No, but I, what, I know we like the property of mercury that you can't, you, right, you can't touch it. And to me, mercury was an example of you want to see my face and not live. You want to grab it, forget about it. The only way to grab mercury is by letting go. And then I saw an interesting example for it, by the way, the silkworm. You ever hear how the people pick, you know, how the silkworm, the silk that comes from a worm, not, not synthetic. There's a, a, the major art of a silkworm is restraint. Because the tendency is you want to pull it out from the worm. There's a whole thing. So you have to, it's all about subtlety. It's a perfect example of letting go, that's when it gets released. And that's where it's an art. It's like, you know, like when you want to untangle wires, what's, what's your inclination? <laughs> and then it gets worse. The ability to, I read it's a whole art, how, how, they, how, this, how the masters in Africa, whatever, the silkworm, it's like China, it's like they, they, don't, they don't pull it, they like touch it, 
and they just have that touch that allows it to, it gives to you by touching it. If you pull a bit, it tears, and and you destroy it. It's like a interesting. It's like whatever. My point is examples, real examples. No, no, you'll find this, by the way, in any real good, very subtle and refined arts, there's that, that restraint that's necessary. Even I'm sure an artist has that. It's not about, you know, it's about just enough and not more than necessary. Like ice skating. You're just on the ice. You go too deep in, you're, in, you're out. It's being what they call in the flow. Yeah, absolutely. As a, as a writer, I can tell you right now, it's in the zone, which... You can't always initiate. It's when you don't feel you're there. And it just flows. That's when you, you, it's a gift. And as soon as you think about it, you lose it. You have to really not know that you're hungry. You can't like say, oh, I know I'm not hungry. I'm hungry. Now. Right. The Rishima. The Rishima is, is, Rishima is a leftover. Because cause, cause, cause in, cause in Kedusha, or just in Guardian, it's nothing... It's not, it's not complete. But there's no consciousness in the Rishima. That's the thing. Rishima is just simply a concealed... Uh, it's concealed. It's a concealed leftover of the Asis that were there before. The example... Well, there, there Siddhis gives four examples for it, the Mitla Rebbe. But the general example, the best example is this. The teacher falls silent in order to transmit something new. So with us, all you see is silence. But when God falls silent... God, there's still something remains there from the letters that he envisioned, like the, the letters that he envisioned that he's going to communicate is there, but but they're not revealed in any way, no one he, can see that. He chose to make it like that. He didn't right. Have to make it like that. Oh, yes, of course he could have made a complete, the Simpson could have been complete void, but he didn't want a complete void. But don't we have to go through that to uh, the Rishima? No, but you need the Kav to to, uh, to, be, to reawaken the Rishima. The Rishima is a, is a dead... The Rishima, think of it, the Rishima like a, you know, like a black hole, no, a real... When we connect that? the cop to the end, won't that... Do the well, doesn't the Rishima then come alive to us? The Rishima come alive before the cop goes to the end. The Rishima comes alive as soon as the cop enters, the action starts. The cop interacts with the Rishima, that's how Kalim emerged. It does start with the cop. But the cop at the Rishima? I'll explain, I'll explain, give, give me a second. I mean, he's not here, he said it a little... He discussed this earlier, earlier chapters. It works something like this. Uh, not something like this. Remember, God can do anything again. So we're not talking about what's possible. We're talking about what is. If just like if exist, if there was no Rishimu, the problem would have is we'd basically not be able to connect our Kalim to godliness. We'd be able to connect our Nishamas to godliness. So let's let's for argument speak like that. If the Tzimtzum is a complete black hole and there's nothing there, period, and then a Kav begins to shine in. The Kav is light. The Kav's light will create and do everything. But the Kalim will not have a way back. The Rishima is their key. Because the Rishima is a, uh, a residue or impression left from the root of God wanting containers. So that, before the symptom is completely concealed because it's submerged. Think of the Rishima as being, a, uh, as being like objects under the water. And the water is the area of Lifniad Simpson. Now the water recesses, recedes. Now you have objects left. Yeah. But you don't have actual physical objects. You have things that don't have any uh, revelation. They're just there. It's like letters. But they're also, but, but letters that are empty, 
Like you, 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 you see, as soon as you read letters on a page, they have meaning. It's hard to imagine letters that have no meaning. But imagine just invisible letters. That's what it would be like. Invisible, invisible letters. Those letters are critical because they will give shape to the containers. The energy will bring them alive. So it's like it's like the body is not does not originate from the soul, but the soul brings the body to life and brings it into being. That Rishimu is is like um, a soul enters once a seed is fertilized, right? The egg is fertilized by a seed. Um, the soul God gives begins to give life to this fetus. If the soul didn't enter, it would just be expelled and it would not would just be a, a dead seed. Um, the soul begins, but but there's also a body element here. here. Where's the body coming from? The soul doesn't create the body. The body comes from the Rishima, which is the Kayecha Gvul of God that he wants to have physical or a, a body, a container. I don't know if that helps or not. But the Chesidus is a length discussion of what... Uh, doesn't, but doesn't this, doesn't this have us, what was that? I mean, what? <laughs> no, because in, no, it does, but in Atzmos, they both are rooted in the same Atzmos, that's why. And even before the Tzimtzum, they travel with these, they interwoven. It's not like two separate paths. They're two, two separate forces. But these forces, one is shaped from the other. So they're constantly... If you would say the Er HaBligvul, before the Tzimtzum, you'd say the Er HaBligvul has in it Er HaGvul. It's all within the Er HaBligvul. So there's a... That's why he just said here, it's all Pshittus and Isarvus. There they're all Isarvus. So that gives power later for them to reunite. But then when we say that the Kalim have a, a, a separate path to, to trace itself back up than the Neshama, or do we say that they're going on, even though there's two different sources? The answer, it's a great question. The answer is both. They have a separate path, but they also have a uh, neutral path. It's like this. And then they come and they become one. Understand? For example, I just gave you an example. If God wanted it this way, then you'd have like this. The Neshama would come into, and the body would come, and then when you're 20 years old, they come together. It doesn't work that way. From the second the body begins to develop, the soul is already a partner. So they, so it's like Esau and Yaakov are twins. And they both work together until then they separate and then they come back again. The bottom line is in Atmos everything is united. Then when God says, I want to have the power to illuminate, to radiate, and the power to withhold, that becomes the root of the Er, ha, er and the root of Kalim. Kalim is the power to withhold. Sometimes it says the opposite, but let's just for argument's sake that's the case. So you talk about, like he says, Sherish HaKelim is higher than the Sherish HaER. You said that before. However, that's when there's Shrashim. If you go to a place before there's a root, they all come from God's power, God's ability. When you say ability, the ability to shine, the ability to not shine is the same. But as it will come later, they won't know that. Even though in their DNA is embedded that unity. Right. So you have to think of it like this. Remember, the key thing you have to remember is that God wants a structure. If he didn't want a structure, we wouldn't have these problems. Since he wants a structure, there has to be a level where there is a distinction. That's why the Rav Yisrael's line that has brought so much Chassidus is so critical. Just that he has the power to illuminate Bligvul, he has the power to create Bligvul. Right? Why is that vital? Because he wants a structure. Our goal is not the Buddhist goal that there's no distinction. That's all light. There is a structure. So Eris and Kalim have to have a distinction because of the structure. 
That's not the problem. The problem is, how do you get to be to a place where there's no structure? And it should still be within the structure. That's really what you're asking. The duality is easy to resolve. Because in Atmos, there's no duality. He has two forces, and they're both from his perspective. The question is, how can you have a structure that sees it as distinct, and Eir and Kelly are not the same, and they should still become one? That's the challenge of Ayin Beis. It's exactly the whole point. To say there's no duality and say that, or that ultimately we realize they all come from one source, that's, that's, that's not a big achievement. Right. That's osmos. Right. How can we, in a world where you and I, let's, let's go further. We've got Aaron Kelly, you and I, we have different opinions. How can we go join together and you remain individual, I remain individual and we're joined as one with God? That's the challenge. That's the ultimate challenge of a real interface. Individuality is intact and there's still total unity. Harmony within diversity is the challenge. That's why all these. That's why this is Hamshech. All of Chabad say this. That's why Eris and Kalim. That's why you need everything. There's no way around this. We would love to be able to just go to a place of the light and everything is equal, but it's not that way. He wants us to go through the structure. That's why you have Ak. That creates Mesiris Nefesh or Amuna in the Neshama, and you have Tehiri Law that creates that the body is receptive to give itself to God. Everything needs its level. That's the whole point here. I mean, let's just bring it back to what we're learning here. The bottom line is, you, we don't just want transcendence, and we don't just want imminence. You want them to meet. So you need to have structure that's total structure. Look, the beauty of Judaism, ultimately, in comparing it to any other discipline, and especially spiritual discipline, is that you have extreme opposites. The digdukal, that a sheer matzah is this much and not that much, and complete unity with atzmus and sov, that's the mile from every sheer. Explain that to somebody. Yes. Everyone could understand. Let's 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 not let's disregard the details and let's go to the light. You could also understand work only with the details and we don't really have a relationship with the light. But that both to extreme we don't relate to. That's Atzmus power. But for us, but the question here is not that Atzmus can do it. The question is, can we come to understand and relate to such a paradox? That's the challenge for us. To live a life that this is not a paradox anymore. That in a small detail, you have the whole etzim. So technology actually is an excellent example for today. Because we know that today, in the hologram example, that in one microcosm, you have the whole macrocosm. So it's, conceptually, it's still possible. In Aveda, the, 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 the seichel is not a problem. Seichel, we can relate to such paradox today. That it can be a detail. Well, you know, one dot. Look at, look, look at the human body. One mutant cell will wreak havoc in a body with 75 trillion cells. So we know the detail is not a matter of size. But the problem is not very, is the problem. You and I are different opinions. We may not agree. We may have self-interest. How do we create unity there? So our is the problem. Not the seichel. Seichel, we can understand these ideas. Because remember, the ultimate goal is not just that. The ultimate goal is not just how I'll be seichel, a small sheer that the God says, specifically on Shabbos I want you to do this. And not on Sunday. And that connects to Atzmus that's higher than time and space. Seichel, you can understand it. Because he's beyond time and space. And it's beyond, beyond time and space. We all can relate to that. I mean, it needs a little thinking. But, but how do you, in Aveda, how does it work? Is it in my parameters or is it not in my parameters? See what I'm saying? Why did you choose hologram? I use hologram because hologram is, is a perfect example of every detail has the whole thing in it. A hologram has a macrocosm. Yeah. A hologram? A hologram is like a, a, a No, but if you read about what a hologram is, each, each part of it 
as a whole thing. If you break it up, you'll see. Uh, you have a hologram of a, of a picture of that bookcase. Yes. If you break the whole thing down, you have a billion little bookcases. Made of. Yep. Well, what's your hologram image? What they have in these like amusement parks? Well, no, what they have now in Denver Airport. They have a hologram instead of employing regular living people. They have holograms right, giving directions to the uh, to the. They call it a hologram. Yeah, yeah. But it, that is a hologram. What does that do? Uh, it's it's a human, you see a person and she's giving directions. You see it, everything, but you can put your hand right through it. That is a hologram. It's in the air, and you can now they're working on where you. Can uh, they call it a hologram, but it, but the exactly. root, the root of the technology. No, then, but then okay. they're working on a hologram that where she's going to be able to respond to your questions. <laughs> Meaning that she, wow. she doesn't exist, but you're going to... Okay, but a hologram... But the root of a hologram that's technology... Not, that's not the hologram you're talking about? No, no, that's... The, what you're saying is a technology based on such a hologram, yeah, so they call it. But a hologram is one image that can be... Uh, that is replicated... That is, 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 it has all the DNA in one... Every little cell has the... Uh, that's the real definition of a hologram. I think what you're saying is a hologram's application. One of the applications is that that you can project the same image. But why is that? that, that but why is that? That one detail you see all the details. Why is that? They're developing a hologram right now for the for the King of Music. And yes, and often you get it one day. They say he's Jewish. I know he is Jewish. Okay, so don't say. So what's the Havdil? He's definitely Jewish. I bought the book. He's Jewish. He's Jewish. Mother Jewish? His mother was, uh, his great mother on his mother's side, going back to Gladys. Uh, that was really Melvin. He carried a start mother Melvin. He carried a mother David. And in his mother's grave, on his mother's grave, there was a mother David on her, on the Seba. There's a mother David. It went back to one of the prominent uh, Jewish families. So, so the birth of all decadence came from a Jew. <laughs> That's that's an anti-Semitic. He was very generous, extremely. No, he was definitely had a a, a charisma that's uh, beyond, no he's, question he, about it. His family was the landlords of his family were the only Orthodox Jewish family in his community. So, do we get anything from Graceland? Do we get any royalties? <laughs> yeah, that's, he, he's he's much bigger today than he was in his lifetime. What is I think, what, what does his, his estate generate? Millions, millions, hundreds of millions. Let's continue here. Hey, one second. Are we learning Ayn Bez or what? <laughs> anyway, to, to go back, let me just say this. Let me say the following. You know, at this stage, I would not try to make an exercise of trying to understand Esosphere's Agnosis. Let's just make that clear. I can think, I th- it's uh, the only thing that's really relevant to understand that in some way, there is on the highest levels of, of divine consciousness, there's an awareness of our consciousness. That's how I would put it. I haven't said it in those terms till now. Which means that we can have a relationship with the divine because in his consciousness, where we can't even exist, because you can't go to Esosphere and lose us and be. But in his consciousness, in some way, understands and relates to our consciousness, it's not like two separate worlds. Basically, that's what I would say. So Esosphere and as he said clearly earlier, is not ten hidden spheres as in hidden, and you're right, and, and, and all you need to do is find the key and you'll open the box and you'll see them. It's like quantum. It's, not, it's higher than quantum, but in the sense, it's fundamentally... Uh, 
It's a different reality. And he says there clearly, it's, it's only, we only use it because it's a term to say how did God make the spheres. He, bottom line is, God's envisioning of the structure of existence. Is it in the Godhead? Or is it just something that emerges later for, uh, you know, for, for so-called almost incidentally? Let's say God wants to have a base amigdash, so he threw gold into the world. But gold, you're not going to find gold in the Lifniat Simpson, so to speak. And the answer is no. He wants, in, in, the, in the divine consciousness, which we can't understand. But God had to be first. Yes. One second, one second. I'm, not, I'm talking about divine consciousness. Atmos is not consciousness. There's no consciousness. Atmos, Bechal, you can't talk about because there's no talk about it. Atmos, you're talking about the essence of God's reality. How can we relate to it? We would be God if we would be there. Yeah, we still pray to it. <laughs> you pray to it because you believe in it and you, and you want it and you know from everything else that it's there. No, in other words, Atmos doesn't need a tzimtzum. If you talk about Atmos, Atmos is here right now in this room, just like he's not here. Exactly. Who says he has to be here in our terms? Exactly. The whole point of a tzimtzum is because you want divine consciousness that we should relate to, but divine consciousness is a contradiction to human consciousness, so you need a tzimtzum. And saying that tzimtzum is only for, from a, on a, an existential level. When you talk about God, the non-existential nature of God, non-existence is not a contradiction to existence. The fact that someone says, I can't see God, it's exactly the proof that that's the real God. If you saw him, it would be your reality. It wouldn't be his reality, it would be your reality. Matter of fact, that's why the Chiddush is that the non-seeable God will reveal himself to us. Because he wants to, and that's part of the Kavana. But he doesn't have to. As a matter of fact, left to his own recourse, seeing and not seeing him is the same thing. What difference does it make? The best example is, the best example I always give for this, we do have a taste of it, is us. Uh, listen to this. I'm just, I'm just saying it's not really relevant right here, but I know this is the. I know, I know, I know that when I was uh, asking these questions, I was very frustrated when I wasn't told the answer. So I'll, I'll tell you what I have to say about it. It goes like this. What does it feel like to exist? If someone asked you, I'm a Martian. I don't know what existence is. Or even if I'm a, I'm a human being, tell me what does it feel like to exist. That's what he said. That's Allah, right? No, 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 no. Descartes, right. That's nice, but that's not what Chassidus would answer. Uh, some say, I eat, therefore I am. You know? <laughs> I eat chont, therefore I am. <laughs> no, no. That's not what I asked. I didn't ask, how do we know we're here? I didn't ask that question. Or what? I'm asking, what does it feel like existence? Exactly. There's no feeling. There's no sensation. Just like, what does it feel like to be healthy? If someone starts telling you what it feels like, you know there's a problem. Because it's not supposed to have a feeling. You know, if someone, someone, someone says, it feels like, how do it feel like? It feels like a lump in my throat. That's not good. <laughs> or, because it's not a sensation. What, now, what, what, let's just define the key thing here. So you see, we are so addicted to sensations and senses. By us, it's there, I want to see it. I want to hear it. I want to taste it, touch or smell. However, if you really think about it, the most real things in life don't fit into the into sensations. That's what I'm talking about, existence. What does health feel like? It doesn't feel like anything. As a matter of fact, as soon as you feel something, you know there's something not right. Something blocking or something, whatever. What does existence feel like? It doesn't feel like anything. It doesn't feel like anything. You really cannot even communicate to somebody. If you didn't know existence from your sense or the lack of sense, there's nothing I can tell you. You know what it is because you exist. That's why. I, I exist because I exist. That really would be what I would say. Not because I think. Hold on. And here's an example for it. Like, like, an, a, a, yes, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hold, hold on. 
But that's uh, one second. Listen to this. Listen. Exactly. One second. But we have a taste. Of him. I'm giving you a taste of what what Atmos would be like. But you'll realize right away that it's not Atmos, but it's a sense of it. Here, another thing. Until what I'm, in the next sentence, I'm going to say something. That, but think of what was going on before I said the sentence. Listen to this. What is your left leg doing right now? Now you're thinking about it. What was it doing a second before you thought about it? Same thing. You weren't aware and didn't take away a drop from its reality. And you know. No, 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 go ahead. You, want to, you, can, debate, you can debate it as long as you like. Beautiful, beautiful example. No. no. So you see, so you see that, okay, it, 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 that's, it's, that's the purest form of existence. It doesn't require a sensation. Who said sensation? Exactly. Who said consciousness, sensation, and proof? Exactly. So imagine now, imagine now an, a reality, a reality called Atmos. That's all the time that way. And is fundamentally that way. We were given a taste of it because Atmos created us and he wanted us to give you a taste of what it's like. What is that? <laughs> no, no, no. The two things. He says this earlier. The fact that we don't feel we have a source and the fact that we uh, don't sense our existence. If you really think we can exist without... You don't need a proof. You don't feel that you're an extension of your mother and father's umbilical cord. I'm here. That's it. I popped into the world and that's it. Your seichel tells you I came from someone, you know, I'm dependent on others. But the, sen- the, 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 the reality sense that I'm here yes. is like an absolute in your Non-awareness. Life. Yes. Non-awareness and absolute. Then I got a quick question for you. So why couldn't you say a yogi, a master, true master yogi, who's sitting up in Nepal right now, he has obliterated all existence, he is... He can come to this point. He can come, he, he can come to this point. Uh, but, then, but God wanted a dirbe so He did. He did. He, he wanted consciousness. But he wants consciousness. You see, the Swami or whatever his name is, he'll say the goal is to get away from consciousness, and the Torah says the goal is to go into consciousness and reconnect to beyond consciousness. Ah, uh, you got it. A reality, but he but he wants it in. But God wants it in the world of awareness. Once you're aware of the physical world, the dira of you're already at a secondary level. You're not that no, 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 but he wants the higher level in Tachtainim. That's what dira b'tachtainim is. I want you to know in, in Zen Buddhism. You heard what I just said? Yes, he wants it. He, he, but that's his desire, that he wants that higher awareness in the lower awareness. So then, but, but, so that's his ultimate kavana. Yeah. So once you say, therefore, since that is even higher than this other level of not being aware of the lower intentions, yeah. So it, isn't that really more, even a bigger, a better example of than the one of just? Or you could argue that because it's nesava, the tachtenim itself is part of the non-existence. That's the thing. For him, existence and non-existence are one. For us, it's two. See, this thing is a revelation for you that non that existence is no sensation at all. For God, existence and non-existence are equal. And but for us, it's not equal. That's the thing. And the non-existential state of God wants to have that the existential state that thinks non-existence is a contradiction should be one with the non-existential. In an existential way, yeah. Think about it. Can we continue on? Okay. So, getting back to your beautiful analogy of the left leg, everybody has that. When they, I mean, 
what, when you said now that you're thinking about it, it existed right before this. So, it, but that so it was in the total existence. You just said something that God wanted the existence to be that the ultimate existence was to be aware of non-existence and existence at the same time. Let's put it this way: you can define the non-existential state of God. This state that I gave an example: you don't, that, you don't, that your left foot is there, you're not feeling it. You could say that's reality. Okay, fine. And you could say that's the goal is to reach a place of that total lack of consciousness, where there's no more me and you. It's just a state of of, of being. Okay. Yeah. But that's not the kavana. The kavana is that the non-existential state of God is even beyond non-existence of the left leg before you're thinking about it. the non-existential state is right. even beyond that, and therefore that state wants to have consciousness and lack of consciousness all in one. Not that's that's the thing. Forest, that's know. the beauty of it. That's where that's where far Buddhism diverges from Judaism. And by the way, Buddhism does have pictures going back into the field after achieving illumination. No, there's know. certain elements of that, yeah, but 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 they don't have digdukal of divrei suffering. But they don't have a digdukal of divrei suffering. They're not they're not eating matzah leaning on the side no, and, no, no. And, and looking for every crumb of crumbs. <laughs> They don't have obsession with details. Let's put it this way. <laughs> they don't. Because that's the key here. You see, I this is my correspondence I had with this. God is in the details. One second. This is the car. God is in the details. It's Jews. Moses. Moshe Rabbeinu probably. <laughs> Absolutely, that's the key. The Rebbe Rashab of all the Rabbeim, they said, was the most Mahadr in detail details. And you could see why, because he was also the highest in the, where he went. I mean, the highest, I mean, relatively speaking. The point I want to make, one second, this is a key thing. I had a correspondence with Leonard Cohen about this, about the difference in Buddhism and so on. Yeah. I'll show you this correspondence, it's a 30 page correspondence. Exactly about this. The bitl, you see, this is the key. We have like this. We have yesh, bitl hayesh, bitl mitzvahs. Okay, and that's where you think it stops. It doesn't stop there. It stops when you bring the bitl mitzvahs back into the yesh and back into the all the way down. If the bitl is the goal, and that's where you end up. After the the yesh is bottle. I'm not talking about not having yesh. You have yesh and the bottle. That would be the difference, key difference between Far Eastern disciplines. Bittl is the ultimate goal, and by us, Bittl is not the ultimate goal. The yesh should be Bittl is the ultimate. In other words, bring that Bittl, because to reach Bittl Metzias is breach going back to Atmos. So what did you gain? You got back to where you started. Atmos doesn't need, Atmos is already Bittl before. The goal is, that's the Ramban. The Rambam says the ultimate is Neshamas. The Ramban says, no, the ultimate, this world, the yesh nivra becomes one with the yesh amiti. And that's why it's it's an t- ultimate par- paradox, and that's because bitl is not a steerer to mitzvahs, and that's only an atzmos that's higher than a bitl. Existence and non-existence. Okay, so, so the right. paradox is you have to go through bitl because there's no bitl, you're not going anywhere. That's why we say bitl yijot, he goes <laughs> <laughs> through bitl. Okay, okay. So in other words, so, you, so, so that's why we will sometimes say iskafia has stronger power than ishapcha. Even though Ishafchi is high, transformation. Because there's something about, because Ishafchi is still recognizing there's a yesh. There's something about that. that that's why the, in Hayyam Yemi says that we will bank, we will, how do you say bank? Uh, we'll long for the Veda and Golis when Mashiach comes. Because that resistance will not be there. 
Right, we will. In other words, that element of it. The, it, it it's the ultimate paradox, and it is distinguishable. I've read a lot of the, Zen, the Buddhist stuff in the Zen. They don't go that far, 100% not. By then, you see, they don't care about Bereshit's Baruch Hakim Hashemayim We need, by us, we have proved God. They have no problem for existence is an illusion. They have no read, because they don't have a Torah that tells them existence is real. So what do they care about going? If, if we didn't know that either, so what, who, who needs existence? Let's get out of it. Existence is a, is a distraction. We could argue that. Like the Miraglim, in a way, said that. But we, God told us there is an existence. That's the problem. That causes a whole new... Uh, right. So that forces us to come to understand that the Yeshamiti is higher than Ur. Bottom line is, by them, ultimately, Ur, and by yes, us, it's it Kalim. Because Boreish is Bore Elohim. Right. If he made Elohim, if he made the Kalim first, and that was hard. The paradox gets very fascinating, because at the end of the day, you need the complete uh, fusion of both consciousness and not consciousness. Because here's a strange twist. You think, which one reveals more of lack, non-consciousness? Ayur or Kali? So initially everyone would say Ayur, because Ayur is Ayin, Bittl. But the Kali is much more lack, because when you don't think of the left leg, is far deeper than Ayur. Because Ayur is bottle in nature, but Ayur not, does not have an element of no consciousness at all. It's a consciousness of Bittl. And the, the the lack of the the the, the in, non-existential nature of our existence is real bittel, the real bittel, because it doesn't even feel it. Mm-hmm. See, air is, is is a sensation. It's a state of as a state of exi- it's existential. The lack of sensing your foot is completely non-existential. Okay. So, in a strange way, the fact that the yesh knows that it cannot have real substance of its own because it doesn't have any value of its own, is reveals a deeper dimension of reality. Then Ur, because Ur will say, I'm bottled completely to my source, but our source is real. It's a that's, real. That's why women are superior yes. to men. Or will say that. Women are and that, so that's the existential side of God's presence. And a Kali will reveal to you the non existential side of God's presence. But that goof also is revealed to the Ur. Okay. women <laughs> And I'll go a step further. Uh, I'll go a step further. Oh, Shabbos then is the last day of creation. No, no, I'll tell you one more thing that's very important. Another thing that's critical here is... Uh, what was I going to say? No, 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 the Aaron, the Kaylee, the Kaylee is not substantial. Yet. No, but you said about the Guf, because the lack of Gilead shows that that's aspects of how women are higher. That's he said that, I didn't say that, I was not talking about that. Anyway, I was going to say something else in that context, we'll come back to it. It's connected to it, but it's a, uh, you know, yeah. But the paradox goes back again because that itself is revealed through the air. So it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I don't feel that Let's continue on here. So the root of the Erpnimi, of the imminent energy, is in Esosphere Sagmuzis. I'm saying all this to explain that we can't, that the Erin Saflifnet Simpson is divine consciousness on divine terms, and there's no room for anything else. But in that divine consciousness, however you understand it, arose the Shir Atzmei, some ways envisioning our, uh, the reality of our consciousness, which is ten spheres. 
That's all. That's what he's saying here. By that, and through the tzimtzum, the concealment emerges the distinct spheres, separate chachma, separate bina is distinct, and so on. So, how the dynamics work in the context of what I just said would work like this: Atmos, fine. Divine consciousness is air. Infinite possibilities beyond spheres. Within that, the power of God's desire and will to have ten spheres is there. Again, I'm not talking about what kind of form. It's definitely not in any shape and form that we can do anything with. But it's in there. Just like there's divine consciousness, there's divine consciousness looking at what he wants in existence. Then comes another state of divine force comes into play. It's called the divine concealment. He's going to conceal this whole divine consciousness. And now will emerge a kav which will reveal those ten spheres that, the, that arose in the infinite divine consciences that wanted ten spheres. That's the dynamics of it. The Rishima is basically, it doesn't say it here, but it's a residue, an impression that's left from the envisioning of the containers that will come later. That's all that's practical. It's not really, but it's not, we're talking about this, that, but that's hidden. We're talking about, as point of view of consciousness revealed, there's needs a tzimtzum. The tzimtzum conceals. The kav is the revel, is a revealing force. So the kav comes from the consciousness, the divine consciousness over the tzimtzum. And now it's only giving you the ten spheres. Within it is embedded everything else, but it's makif and so on. We're not talking about that. So that's that. The kav interacts with the rishim, and that's how kalim emerge. But according to what you just said a little bit ago, the real action is in the rishim. Because if you say that, tell me that if you say that the Kalian source is in the Rishima, and ultimately the ultimate expression of existence and non-existence is really the biggest conditions in the Kalian, so understanding the Rishima is, is really where it's at. I can't say it's where it's at because everyone play, every component plays its role. Without the catalyst called the Kav, the Rishima remained dormant. Yes, but but ultimately this is where the, the biggest hit Yeah, yeah, fine in the big picture, but but the bottom line is in the process. For example, Eitzchayim doesn't even mention Rishima, but it's but 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 it's mentioned other places of the Arizal from other places. Is then, based, yeah, 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 yeah. They come together. No, Rishima is definitely part of the picture. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, even in one Mimer I saw that Rishima is not mentioned Eitzchayim, but it's hinted to. When you look other places, you understand where it fits. The point I'm trying to make is that that that. <laughs> Right now, right now, however, he's talking about consciousness, and consciousness is air. Remember, kalim have no consciousness. Kalim are just entities. The the kav and the air are the instruments of creation. Rishim is just a force. It's like a force field. You know. Then he goes on. And this is a summary of all the chapters. This is the meaning of the kav. The ray of light, that that's the energy that transmits after the tzimtzum, is a kav osim in a kudus. It's a line that's made out of points. Vahainu asvidus pratis, which means the points of the specific spheres. Remember, he spoke about the three levels. <coughs> then ten hidden spheres are nukuda. The kav is, brings the nukudis into tangible reality, distinct, and then they're manifest in containers. Later. Later. So. Nevertheless, 
even the way they are in the kav, in the line, in the ray of light, they're still blima, without substance and a form of, 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 of shapelessness, relatively speaking. Raka, Hashem, Islap, that's level three. Only when they manifest in the containers, the spheres, the atzilas, of the ten spheres of atzilas, that's where they become actual substance. All this was said earlier at length. He's summing up. Because now he's going to the kalim. Because the kalim are a distinct uh, um, personality and identity. So through the containers, when the energy manifests in the containers, also the energies become substance, substantial. And they are distinguished in a hierarchy of higher and lower. The my lawson in their quality, the that means in the, the in their state of intensity and diminishment of their energy and revelation. Also in their actual level, is fundamentally higher level compared to bina. It's the same intellect compared to the emotions. This is literally a summary of, of tens and tens of chapters. The Rebbe Hashem is doing the summary. Lee is the Bisharshan Hain Lahoyer. And it goes back to the root. Why is this the case? Because in their root, Hain Lahoyer Bhinis Midogvul. Because in their root, the purpose of this energy is to radiate, is to, trans, is to emanate in Bamida with measurement and Gvul and parameters. So what he just said was that the, still talking still about erpnimi, that the root of the erpnimi, its first root is the ten hidden spheres. Its purpose is to ultimately radiate in, in the parameters. But the way they are before the symptom, they are complete shapelessness, complete the um, visible. Through the symptom, they emerge, but they're still in a form of relative pshitas. And then when they manifest in containers, which are real substance. They, they assume the substance of the containers and therefore they become real distinct entities, both, and they have a real hierarchy, higher and lower. All this does not exist, Lifniat Simpson, and even in the Kav, doesn't have this level of hierarchy. And hierarchy means both in their the intensity of energy and in their distinct personalities. And it's all because they all rooted in the Midagvul. And nevertheless, being that their energy, they're still in a form of pshittus. He said this earlier also. Which means, in the middle level, the first level, they're completely beyond any uh, definition. In the middle level, the kav reveals in them their pshittus. This is the interface at work. So even when they're in the kalim, they still retain the transcendent dimension from the kav, which comes from the transcendence of the uh, ten hidden spheres. That's in their final third level, when they manifest in containers, that's where they come in a form of, 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 of substance. And define differentiation, right? That means there is revealed their parameters. 
So essentially what he just said here is a critical line that he said all the way back then when he spoke about the Kav. So we have here the interface all on the end level of imminence. So let me just explain this in simple English so you understand. The Torah says that you're supposed to do a mitzvah. Let's say a Shabbos is supposed to eat. Whether it's chalent or not. Nevertheless, you're supposed to eat in a refined way. Right? The Baal Shem Tov showed his students someone that was an ox in a strimal. An ox wearing a strimal eating chalent or whatever he was doing at Shabbos. So the question is, how do you keep this balance? God, like the Maraglim, wanted to stay in the Midbar because... The land consumes its inhabitants. If you remain a shepherd, like the others, you don't fulfill the purpose. He wants us to go into the world and become part of the world. So how do you keep the balance? Are you supposed to go in or are you supposed to stay out? The answer is you're supposed to go in, but always remain above. Well, like the the, the story where he was doing business calculations. Oops, the whole thing moved. No, it's not, it's not. It's off-center. Okay. So, there's a famous story. He was doing his calculations. And the bottom he wrote, asked the question, Why didn't, if, he, if God is nothing but God, he should have written on every month. January, Tishrei, Chesron, Kislev, every line should have said, Eneid Movada. The Rebbe asked this question. The answer given, then he's not a businessman. Then he should go to Akolo. The businessman is that he knows how to make his calculations, but when it comes to the bottom line, he knows where it's at. So he knows in the world of numbers, he knows what the numbers are. And yet, he understands. So Yosef, the, the, the others, the, the forefathers, patriarchs were shepherds. But they say Yosef is a higher level. Because he's the first accountant, the first Jewish accountant. It says by Potiphar, he remarried the chesbon in it. He made the chesbonus, and then he went into the real business, the grain. He made Egypt into a superpower. He was definitely dealing with business, and yet he remembered Egla Rufi. He remembered what he learned, and he stayed remained there Markova even in Bia. Chizus says the Aves Chesed Gvurat Teferes of Atzilus. Yisuf was Yisod which went into Malchus, which went into Mitzrayim. In Erevus Haaretz, he retained his bittel, which is explained in Chassidus like the Milo of Mincha, from Seder Hayyim. Why is the Ilum, why, did, why was Elio answered by Zman of Mincha? That's why you have to be careful. Mincha is a seemingly, you no know, Shema, it's the shortest prayer, because it's the middle of the day. Morning and at night, you're ready at the end of the day. It's here, middle of work, you rip yourself away while you're immersed in work. I remember the Rebbe once spoke to the Machin Yisrael Development Fund. He said to them, an unbelievable business thought. He said, business is all about focus. He says, if you tear away and make a sheer middle of your day, don't think it's going to weaken you, but it's going to make it stronger because it means that you're able to focus and when you go back, you'll have focus on where you are there. It means that you have the ability to, that's what the Rebbe said. So it's about focus. And you're able to create, in other words, discipline, controlling your, your focus. It's interesting. Anyway, the point I'm saying here is, why, why, it's very relevant to this. I'm just explaining it on a practical level. It says, and Neshama doesn't want to come down below. It has to be forced to come down. And it says this has to constantly be told. And Neshama, even while it's down here, never wants to stay here. 
That's why we always have angst. We have restlessness. We always remain a flame that's flickering. So you say, one second. The Shama doesn't want to come initially. Fine. God doesn't want it to, you know, it's, it's Ruchnis. Why should it want to come to a physical world? The answer is good. God commands you to. So it has bittle. So now that you're here, at least be at peace. So remember the Rebbe once said, Chaz v'shalom. If it becomes at peace, we're, we're lost. We're doomed. Because then the neshama will become like the gufa and there'll be complacency. The neshama has to stay here and not want to be here. That wakes you up all the time. It causes you to be restless. It causes you to not be satisfied. So the bitl is there. It comes because it's told this is where the mitzvahs are and this is the kavana. But it has to retain. That's what I mean. You eat shalant on Shabbos, fine. But cry a little while you have to eat shalant and not learn this. Instead, don't get too comfortable with Elam Hazar just because it's Dira Vitachtenim. That's the point. So it's, it's a paradox. The purpose is here. So the Maraglim had a point. The problem was they wanted to stay there. Go into Eretz Yisrael and complain that it's Eretz Yisrael Shishvah, but you got to go. That's the key. That's what he's saying here. So the Eretz come into the Kalim. But they still retain, they have to retain their transcendent element. And that's what the Kav reminds them, that's why you have this mid-level, the Kav reminds the air, we're still connected to a source. Don't get too comfortable in the Kalim. On the other hand, God wants the Kalim. So you have an air that manifests in containers. So air, therefore, has two dual properties. One, it has within it shape and form in a subtle way, and it will enter in containers, because that's the Kavana, but it retains transcendent nature. When I say transcendent, I just want to qualify, I don't mean makifir. We're talking about transcendent within primi, meaning retains its air quality, that it's restless, that it wants more. An animal grazing in the field does not have this type of air inside it. And Friedrich Rebbe said, a behemoth never saw heaven. It walks on all four. We look into heaven, sumar menechem, so we want to know what's going on. Even on a physical level, we spend billions of dollars on NASA just to figure out what's going on in the stars. Is there other life out there? Curiosity. Animals live in the same habitat as they lived 500 years ago. We want new homes, better homes, better cars, better fax machines, better telephones, everything. Because we have a flickering soul that is active and it wants more. The air is connected to kav, to pshittas. It has an element of substanceless and it's not satisfied with substance. But it's here and it fits into substance. So that's the paradox of air. This is air primi, what I just described. I just wanted to apply it into a practical way, these two elements. So you see, he says on one hand, they're still pshittas. And that's what comes from the kav. Because the is their lack of shape and form, and then there's the the way they're in the containers. That's mezgalah b'chinas hakbalah shalahem. That reveals the, the 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 definition within them. To put it more simple, another way of putting it is: Can we get along while retaining our energy? So you could say, yeah, we can get along. You know what? If all of us don't let our our personalities shine, so we all basically bottle like Kalim, and then we get along. But can you can you let your air shine and still get along? The answer is yeah, because air, Be'etzim is Pshittis. It has an element of, remember the, he spoke about Hatwa Ge'er Agvura with Shamein Hilo, because it still retains that. But then nevertheless, when it comes into a particular personality, it is an individual. Bottom line is that you have here individuality and also commonality. However, it's all commensurate to Pnimi. It's not true transcendence. 
It's all within the world of Primius. The same thing is also what these, the Air Primi does. It creates, what did you call it? differentiation. I like that. The elements in the world. Just like he said, there's a difference in Chachma and Bina. And Meichan and also in the world, there's a distinction that the ten spheres of Atzilus are not like the ten spheres that are higher than Atzilus. The chain, ha'eses spheres the bria legab Atzilus, and the same thing, the ten spheres of bria are not like the ten. What's going on in Atzilus? That's primi. Now comes the second half. Om nom ha'er makiv. However, the transcendent energy b'shosha hu b'chinas erin sof shu b'chinas gilim in ha'etzim. Its root is the infinite light, that it's only a revelation, a expression of its source. She'en inyon lo'heres elements. Its inyon, its role is not to radiate and and and, uh, and illuminate the world. Kim b'chinus gilim in ha'etzem. Simply being a revelation, its role is to be divine consciousness. To reveal and express from the ha'etzem. She'agilu hume'en ha'etzem. The revelation is similar to the source. It's not focusing on the structure of existence. Focusing on the revelation of what God wants, on the source. And that's why it's called ain't safe. Remember, aid is ain't safe, not aid shall ain't safe. The aid itself is ain't safe. That's a state of pshitus mamish, shapelessness and an infinity. Remember, he used before by Esesvius Agnus is also pshitus. But that's the pshittis of pnimi, of imminent energy. Now it's believable. Now one second. Valkane call etzema er mitzada pshittishale in a shayr by shame klal. And that's why in the essence of this energy, from the perspective, mitzad, due to its shapelessness, it's not even capable, in a shayr, it's not possible, any name is not applicable to it. In fact, Mechinis is pastor says, Literally every chapter he's summing up, he's telling you. The spashas, the extension of this energy, there, shayach sham shem rotzen. The name desire is possible. Because rotzen is already a lower level, but it is also, its role is revealing and expressing the source. It's called an air. He said before, etzema air is spashas air. It's air, yeah, yeah, of course it's air. One second. And when it's in a state of desire, it's at least in a form of makif, encompassing, transcending the worlds. But it has no differentiation. It doesn't have gradations and hierarchy. This is literally a summary of everything. Like desire that affects the faculties and the organs equally from toe, from head, from leg to head. From a shop, beregel in the flag, kamoi less like the head. Kamoi came b'makiv u'b'chol elmas b'shava. The same thing, the transcendent is in all the worlds equally. In his boyer, and we explained the makom alkam liyas b'chinas makiv hariyesh leshaychus alapnimi. Nevertheless, being a makiv, it still has a relationship with the pnimi. Shaychus, some connection. Al kain yesh b'zeh makifim kloyim makifim pratim. That's why we have within it general makifim, general encompassing. Transcendent energies and specific ones. The makifim akolim emchines tihirilah v'tihiratata. The general makifim is the level of tihirilah and tihiratata, the higher shining or 
and the lower shining, or the higher purity and the lower purity. The Tira law is the is the great sphere that precedes the kav, the line. Shesev of Kolosh also is the kav that surrounds and encompasses the whole structure that the kav of the kav. So the kav is goes into existence and surrounds it all. The the lower purity is the level of the primordial or primal thought. Shesev of Gamkin that also surrounds and encompasses the whole structure, but it's after the tzimtzum. That's ak, adam kadman. Umakifim pratim hein aksorim shabachola elamis. And the specific makifim are the crowns of each world, kesed atzilis, the crown of atzilis, shahu harotzen lahaitzel atzilis. That's a desire to emanate atzilis. Vikesed de bria harotzen livre. And the kesed of bria is the desire to create the world of bria. To create. What do you need to have? What we and the fact and why we need specific makifim, specific uh, transcendent forces, desires. Because in the general makif, everything there is equal from asia to like atzilus. We can say that because we can say. That they're equal, they're also in their revelation, their light, their light and their revelation, their energy and their revelation. And in general, they're not in any distinct type of entities where you can distinguish to, to see any differentiation between them. So even their air and gili is also the equal. Not just that their entities are their distinct entities, that they don't see distinction, but even the energy there is equal. Because you could say there's no distinct entities, but the energy is different. Even the energy is similar. This is a a critical component. I just realized this. This is a critical component. Because if you remember I said before, what's the difference between transcendence from the imminent energy and transcendence from transcendent energy? If air retains pshitus, right? Even air in the kalim, the imminent, retains a certain element of of substanceless. So what what distinguishes that from the pshitus so-called of the transcendent energy? So I would say, based on what he just said here, because it's not the, the, in the transcendent energy, the energy there is 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 not is is equal. In the kalim. Even though the energy is retains pshitas, but there's different energy in, in chesed and in gvura and in bina, which means going back to my example before, there's more individuality. So it's true we can get along because we don't just focus on our bodies and our containers, but we also have an energy that's transcendent. But you're still shameh and this is still hillel. But ksarim, there's no difference between shameh and hillel there. That's another thing. No, but there's no difference. So there, there's no difference between chesed and gvura. Not in the energy level and not in the container level. Not in the, the, not in the identity level. So there's a far greater unity, but the difference lacking there is unity. So in other words, Amun Apshutta, for example, of Shaman Hill is equal. The Kalin, the Seichel, this one thinks like chesed, this one thinks like gvura, that only is an Er Pnimi. But, with them, but since Er Pnimi has an element of Bittl, because it's Er, so they'll get along. 
In other words, I'll state, he'll state Shammai, he'll say Ches, uh, Asr, he'll say Mutter, they'll disagree, but they'll go out to dinner afterwards. In other words, they have unity among them. But the unity of... Because yeah, because they're still oiled, because they're not, they're not consumed by their kalim. They're not... Is it still or yeah, Orpnimi, because of Orpnimi. You also use that with an And even... Uh, one second, no one second, but even Orpnimi, that's why when they go back to their teacher, sometimes Shammai can even come to the conclusion of Hillel. Because even Ur still has an element of Bittl in it. However, it's a Bittl within the parameters of Chestengvur. Bittl of Makif here, like you said, introduces Mesiris Nefesh, Amun Apsuta. That's a whole different level. The Amun Apsuta of Shammai and Hillel is not, is not commensurate to their Chestengvur. It doesn't make a difference. It did say greater, personal, greater teacher in terms of Makif before. That's Keser We're talking. I was comparing it to, to Makif of, of uh, the, 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 the general Makif. Oh, then there is okay. a transcendent. One second, we'll get to that. That's another level. Now he's talking about Kesser. I was talking about comparing it to the Kesser of, 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 of right, the first two. Right. I just wanted to distinguish. And that's what that's maybe why he adds that is also the Eir is equal there. Remember, we spoke about Shammai and Hillel. We said the Eir also has Kesser and Gush. When they heard Shmai of Avtalian teach, the Eir also had Kesser and Gush, except he couldn't distinguish it. And here, the Eir does not have Kesser and Gush. In that, in act, they're all equalized, relatively speaking. Again, he and the makif, they're not the makif element of it. Yeah. That's why we need to have a distinct desire for each specific world. And another reason why you need it is because the rotz and kloli, the overall desire, is concealed. It's only a determination. It's only a resolution. And the individual desires are a specific desire for each. And this is the union of the crown of Atsilis, that that's the revealed desire to emanate Atsilis. Another reason, and another reason, the final reason he gave there, was Ak is the level of Ainsof. It's still Ainsof. still a taste of the infinite. That's why in order to, to bring into being the ten spheres, you need to have a distinct individual desire. And now these, these Makifim, these transcendent forces affect the world. The eagle hagadol tehiri la gives the power of bittel in the containers. Well, lasid sheyigil b'chinus ha'eagle hagadol and lasid lave. When there'll be the revelation of the great sphere, yeragufa agash mielakus, the physical body will be divine. He said that. He said that. What did he say there? What did he say there? He do then there. We said b'machol. Yeah, the end of the chapter, that's end of chapter 62. I'm going to mark up which chapters this is summarizing. It's very, it really, this is, a, this is, a, this is very it's useful. Yeah, you can't call a body a lacus today. You could say it comes from there. 
but in no way is it uh, is it no the body doesn't necessarily follow there the body will be reve- yeah revealing manifesting it, it, look at end of chapter 60, 50 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's end of chapter 62. He says it. It's like Nisham and Azen is That would be the idea. Yeah. Okay. That's Tirila. Now. Ubezed the Bechol came the Ak Lefanecha Tishtachave. So what is the effect of, of Ak in general? That the entire structure which, which stands within Ak bows before you, prostrates. That's, the whole, that's how all the creatures which are encompassed in Ak are bottled to Enshef. From the inner dimension of Ak, He did. He said all this. Yeah. Is the is the reflection in the souls of Israel who akeir the mesiras nefesh al kiddush Hashem shabakol achvechot that the power of mesiras nefesh and sanctify God's name that's within each person, but not the kalim, not the bittel that the kalim have to go cooperate with that. Vegam shenikre b'shem kala b'chinus klesa nefesh and also what the soul is called kala, bride klesa nefesh, her ability to. Expire. What? No. Avisuteris is uh, what comes from Atzilus. One second, you'll see. Vigam ha bittel digdimu nasla nishma, and also the bittel of preceding nasla nishma, which is like the bittel to the bal haratzin, to the one who desires it all. Because is a form of uh, being able to go out of your own Where's self. Where's the bit full if they were threatened by a mountain at that point? It's all about abundance of love. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And from Kesedatzilis, the impact is Ubkhinis Ava Mushateris Virusa Daliba, is the hidden love and the desire in the heart. Ubkhinis Hairhuri Chuva Shaneflam Pisim. And the spontaneous thoughts of Chuva that fall into us, Pisim, spontaneously, automatically. Or, or uh, in adver- uh, psisim, uh, spontaneously is the right word. And also what Razal say that on ten people, the Shekhin arrests. I explained the difference. Ak, the impact of Ak, remember, is an equalizer. The impact of Atsilis is specifically on Atsilis. Being that all Nisham has come from Atsilis, Atsilis has a vis- more visible impact and a more distinguishable one in levels. Ruusa Daliba Avamusuteris can be different from one person to the next. The Munapshuta and the Besiris Nefesh and Kiddush Hashem or Klesa Nefesh is an equalizer. All souls have that natural the gravitation to the divine. Avamusuteris, like Chuva, thoughts of Chuva, already have an impact in some type of a void in you. It's still transcendence, but that would be the main distinction. I would also say Ak's effect is more passive, Atzilus' effect is more active. Klesa nefesh doesn't mean you are actively expiring. It means that there's a force of klesa nefesh inside of a soul. And in certain situations, it will emerge. That's what I would say is the key difference. Those are the main things that he says. Chapter 61. It's, I mean, it's, to go back to that chapter and read it slowly, because there he speaks about all the different things, the Kabbalah sale, 
that it has. It's of it, and it's sort of like not an equalizer when you say there's a penemius that goes to certain people and the penemius doesn't go to certain people in the world. He says primisac right here in the parenthesis. Yeah, I know. It's sort of, it's almost, I don't, it helps me not understand what a, a, an equalizer could be. Because it's from Akka, it's, it's, it's a, it's a makib and it's supposed to be an equalizer, yet the primis. Primis means it affects our existence, but it's an equalizing force. The munapshutta, when you say the pilot flame is alive in each soul, that's an ak impact. When you say avamisuteris, is already a more visible and conscious impact. On the line above where it says okay. about uh, ten lines down from the top right there. From where? Where? Uh, shame, is that shame cloud or sham cloud? Which line? Uh, the first word is, is sham cloud or shame cloud. Okay, shame, shame, name. There's no name. No you name. can't give it any description. No name. But then it says rock, but then it says Because he explained earlier there's etzema er, ispastusa er. Right. The etzema er, there's no name at all. It's er. When the spastus er, when the er extends, you spoke about in the finite symptom, there's etzema er and spastus er. Spastus already, you can say the expression of energy, as opposed to. There's no name. When you give it a name, the name you give it is rotsen. Rotsen is already a state outside of the etzema er, basically. When we say Oyrein Sof, this is the Kabbalah says like this. The Yenusilam and Pelacharim and Rameh, Mepano, he asked the question, why does it say Oyrein Sof, not Oyrein Tchilo? He brought this back in chapter uh, 59, what chapter was it? Yeah. And his answer is, because Atzmo, well, he gave two answers that Rabbi Rashab gave before. The two answers, he gives the answers because Atzmus is Ein Tchilo. Er is because re- it's referring to a level outside of Atmos, which you can't call Eintchil. It doesn't have a beginning. It has a beginning, a source, but it's a source. He calls it Rotzen. The Alter Rebbe comes and says we can't call it Rotzen because Rotzen is already an entity, so we call it Er. So he, so we use the Rameh to explain that it's something outside of the Etzim, but it's not Rotzen. It's Er. In Vayelach Samachvav, he explains this. So now. One sec. But to reconcile it, there is a level that once the air comes and extends itself, then it's called God's desire. God's desire basically is one step below God's transmission, if you want to put it that way. Air is the best example for God transmitting something. Rutzen is the next level of that. It's still an expression of the soul. It's still an expression of, the, of God's interests. But it's already defined by the word Rutzen. It's not it has not the Ainsof of R. It's very definite this but not that. It has an element of Ainsof still. Still says he still says Ainsof. It's still R. It's spastus R. Still call it Ainsof. So you say it's Etzem, then or, and then Ratzon. No, 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 no. You say, I know. Here you say Etzem R and spastus R. That's R and Ratzon. They're both R. Etzem R is without a name. Spastus it's called Rotson. Why don't you go back and learn chapter 50? Okay. Uh, no, no, which chapter is it? No, no. It's, it's, this is just a summary of what he said earlier. I'm just saying, where did he say it? Chapter 57. Yeah. Let's do the summary.
Kitzur of the Kitzur. Kitzur of the Kitzur. This is yeah. This chapter is very valuable. Would you be able to learn this without the before? I have no idea if I learned it now. So, <laughs> so if, if you could put it up. <laughs> so you're the guy. You get you 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 you're the ultimate paradox. You you get as excited as you get. You always say you don't know what you got. <laughs> so you have like see this and not see this here. I'm excited, but then I don't know if I got it. No, no, I tell you, you're excited because no, it's true. It's, it's, it's. Kitzer. The Kitzer of the Kitzer, right. So look how he starts the Kitzer. Toichene Inyan. The summary of the Inyan. He says that. The summary. Toichen. What do we say? The content. Toichene Inyan. The Yesher Shehairis. It's almost like the Rebbe Rashab was like summing up for everybody who was not around or even if you were. New Year, let's sum up. But that's what I'm saying. It's clear that he, that he's like giving you like. A, it just goes to show you that he's not a makiv kol the Rebbe Rashab. He understood where the people were, so he got down a little and said, "Let me let let's explain it a bit." This is just a little lull before the next uh, wave. <laughs> not a lull. I mean, this alone really sums it up, and it's very. So teichen inyan. The teichen of the inyan is the yeshar she'ed is the air primi. There's the root of the energies, the imminent energies be'eden sof shalifni at simsum, in the infinite light before the simsum. Vuhu mash eden sof shir ba'atzmi lahayer be'midav gvul, and that's where the infinite light, envisioned or allocated or estimated within himself to radiate, to transmit with. We meet the measure and parameters. Vehein eses spheres agnuzas. These are the ten hidden spheres. Vesham hein bepchines eres agdus mamish, and there they are completely united, in a form of complete unity. By the tzimtzum nimshach spheres pratis ba'akav bepchines nakudis, and through the tzimtzum are transmitted individual spheres in the kav in the form of points. Shem gamkem bepchines pshitas. They are also shapeless. Or ba'kelim bepchines mitzias, and in the container they become substance, substantial. And they have hierarchy, higher and lower gradations in the mylosum and their quality of madrigosum and their level. So even the mylosum, in other words, of yeah, myla is the level of energy, and 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 uh, is their actual distinct levels. In a way. It's almost like form and function, yeah, quality and quantity, almost like, yeah, yeah. And the ermakiv in its root is the s is the revelation expression of the essence, literal einsof. Nevertheless, there are general transcenders and specific ones. The general ones is the higher purity before the tzimtzum and the lower one purity after the tzimtzum, the primordial thought after the tzimtzum. And the specific makifim are the crowns of each world, the desires of each world. And all makifim affect below. The next chapter is going to begin now affects Bria differently than Kesra Atzilus affects Atzilus so that's the summary of the summary I want to just qualify qualify one thing which 
is bothering me, and maybe I don't know if it's bothering you, but it's definitely bothering me. And I've already referred to it earlier. There's one thing that I, I keep looking for a hint that he's going to tie the knot, and it hasn't done it yet, at least, the Rebbe Rashab. And that's initially when we spoke about Esosphere's Agnuses, the whole discussion was how it's imminent energy, the root of imminent energy. Then when he goes over to Makif, he suddenly speaks about that same level, but now completely Makif. And like Erprimi is almost like a different... And you, even when you read this chapter, Esosphere's Agnuses is the root of Ermakif or Erprimi. So he says clearly it's the root of Erprimi. 100%. He says that specifically. But then, then he says that the Eagle Hagodl is the Tahiri Allah and, and all the Ormak, uh, rooted in Ormakif. For you, there's no stira. Okay. No, no. It, it, when you read this, it seems like it's. Like, which one is it? Both come from there. Well, what does that mean? One second, hold on a second. Bo- we're talking Lifni at Simpson. So, Esfir's Agnuzis is Ormakif or Primi in your mind? Both. both? It has both. It has both elements, sure. Both. Does he say that? No, 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 you're correct what you're saying. That's my conclusion is that there's a key line earlier that he said several times that the Esosphere's Agnuses are rooted in the Ormakif that are higher than the Esosphere's Agnuses. I think that's the key thing. But he doesn't spell it out. That's what bothered me. Because usually with this type of precision, you'd spell such a thing out. And he does say it earlier. I was waiting that he should say it here because it just, it just, we don't have to leave it for guessing. My assumption is the following. That, when, that, that, how does it work lifting at symptoms? So now we have like this. We have the root of Erpnimi in the ten hidden spheres. We have the root of Ermakif in the air that's higher than the ten hidden spheres. That's... The wanting of it and the being of it. One second, before Tehir, yeah, right, right. Before Tehir Allah, it's important, one second. So that's, that, that he said very, much, much earlier. Now, the Esosphere Sagnusis, which are the root of the Erpnimi, they emerge in the Erhad Bligvul of the Makif, that's the root of the Ermakif. He doesn't say that here, but he says it earlier. The root of the Erpnimi in the Ten Hidden Spheres originates in the root of the Ermakif higher than the Ten Hidden Spheres. The Ten Hidden Spheres are just a, a, a so-called a, an aspect of the Er Habligvul that's higher than they are. So like the spheres are coming in. Yeah, like, like, the, like the infinite possibilities of the artist, he chooses one possibility called Ten Spheres. Right. So the, he doesn't say that right here, but he said it earlier. That's why I'm just tying it up. So therefore, what happens now is the following. What happens now is the following, what you just said. Then when the Tzimtzum comes, the Esosphere Sagnuzis turn into our Eagle Hagodl. They become now a Makif. They're essentially now a root of Makif. Even though there's an element in them that's a root of Primi. But the Eagle Hagodl is really like the root of the ten hidden spheres. And they are the ones that create transcendence. I thought we said that the Eagle Hagodl comes from the or He spoke earlier that there were the two symptoms. One is the bligvul gets concealed completely, 
And the Esa spheres agnuses don't get concealed completely. It's only Gilead Helen because they do have ten spheres in them. Spoke about that. So what are you saying? So in other words, it's not the exact. So which one's the Eagle Hagadol? So which, which one is that? That's from the where, where was the where was the true symptom in the unlimited or? Or so. The problem is, I think that he said that Eagle Agodl is the ten hidden spheres. That, uh, I think he also said it, but I think it's more that, that started out. Um, no, 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 I'm fine with that. That's, that's, not, that's, that's, that's fine. I, I'm just trying to spell out some things that he doesn't say specifically here. It's correct what you're saying. In other words, like this, to add more to the equation, it goes like this. The Kav is the Esosphere Sagnusis after the Tzimtzum. That's why it's Gilead Helam. Because the Kav is getting its spheres from the Esosphere Sagnusis. So. However, it couldn't have gotten it before because before it was completely pshitis. The Igla Godl is what left over the Makif, the Erhab that created the Ten Hidden that, that from where emerged Ten Hidden Spheres, that remains completely concealed. And that's the root of all the Makifim later. That's the Hiri Allah. But there's a place where the two meet. That's the thing. You see, at the end of the day, the Ten Hidden Spheres do meet their Makif because they're, they're, they originate there. So even though it's correct to say, I think therefore that's why you could say the Eagle HaGadol has an element of ten hidden spheres in them and has an element of the Makif in them. He doesn't spell it out. To hear your law, it? Yeah. We, we, uh-huh. said, we, we said at one point that the uh, Esoterics can do it, completely transcendent, not even a shortage. Yeah, but then, but then, correct, but then he also says that there's a Gilead Helam of it in the Kav. After this Okay, Fine. I, I want to look up and see whether he actually says earlier that the Eagle Hagadol has ten hidden spheres in it. Is that the ten hidden spheres? Or is it the Makif that created the ten hidden spheres? That's the real question on the table. Okay. We'll stop here. I'm going to look that up. I'll let you guys know. Okay, so we did the beginning of this course 18, page 127, 128, chapter 68.